Welcome to the Cape Verse Podcast. I am your host Seb and with me is my co-host Thomas and today we are going to be discussing about the best Spider-Man film ever and the best Marvel film to date, Spider-Man No Way Home. Holy fuck, you think it's the best Spider-Man movie? No, I mean, I, I wanted to build the hype for our listeners, you know. Is... <laughs> that was a lot of hype. I was like, holy fuck, that's I mean, quite a big claim. Right, you, well, I'm glad you're hyped. So if you're hyped, that means they're going to be hyped. So I think I, I delivered. I got my message across. Um, imagine if I said all that and then go, you know what? Deep down, I thought it, two out of ten. <laughs> I actually fucking hate it. It's but no, that that's uh, what we're well, talking about today. It is. But before we get onto that, I, there's a couple things I want to address from from last week's episode. Um, so before Spider Man, uh, <laughs> and so, the funny thing but, is, right? If there on. are anyone tuning in who just wants to listen to us talk about Spider Man, they're not going to care about this. Also, but I have to say this for the my own sanity. Why did you let me build that hype up for then to go right? We're not going to talk about it right now, but we'll eventually <laughs> that, get to it. To be fair. That was your problem. I told you we were talking about this. I told you I had stuff I wanted to say. This is on you, man. I am an idiot. Um, (laughs) Right, anyway. So, just briefly, last last episode we talked about Doctor Who flocks. And we completely forgot to mention throughout that entire thing that Di got caught by Swarm and Azure. Who's Di? (laughs) Dan's love interest. (laughs) Oh, yes! Yes, I remember We that. completely forgot to mention that she got captured by the two main bad guys, used to taunt uh, Dan, and then was just left in that passenger farm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I meant to say that I think that was completely ridiculous because at the end of that storyline, Dan's like, right, Dad, do you want to go back on that date? And she's just not interested. Yeah, I did think that um, part was a bit odd. I, I don't want to delve too much into a Doctor Who discussion at the moment no, i just i felt like we should acknowledge that because i feel bad that 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 we kind of completely neglected that character and i also have come up with a list of names because it was bothering me of every doctor who series in the in the revived era of doctor mm, who mm-hmm. right so season one i'm just i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna rattle them just off. go go series one bad wolf yep series two torchwood yep. series three vote saxon Series 4, we struggled in this one, The Children of Time. Oh, that's actually a good one. Nice one. Right, right. That's a good one. Series 5, The Pandorica Opens. Series 6, Silence Will Fall. Yeah, that's a good one. Series 7, The Impossible Girl. Yep. Because that's like a big deal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, series 8, I've just put Missy. I really struggled <laughs> with Series 8. Missy. That's, it just that's... has to be Missy. Go for it. Um, and then series seven, sorry, series nine is the hybrid, mm-hmm. nice and simple. Series ten, the Doctor falls. Cool. Because it's like building up to his his death and all that. Um, and then series uh, eleven, even though it has no overarching story, I thought New Beginnings. Okay, New Beginnings. Because it's like a, a a new generation, new show, and all that stuff. New Beginnings, perfect. And then the timeless child for series twelve. Perfect. So I, I I think those are quite solid names. I you know what you've done a really good do- job there, Thomas. I'm <laughs> I'm happy for you. I wish we did it in the Doctor Who episode instead of <laughs> the Spider Man episode that we're supposed to be doing right now. 
Um, I, well, that's I. I just wanted to put it out there in a public forum, right? Let's let's move on to the main event. Do you want me Spider-Man, to Spider-Man colon No Way Home? Yeah. Do you want me to build my hype again? The best Spider-Man film, the best Marvel film, the best film in general. This is going to win Oscars. You know, Tom Holland <laughs> is going to get best actor because he wants to take. Do you, a... do you think this movie could win any Oscars? Special effects. One hundred percent. Dune oh. came out this year, huh? Oh, I haven't seen Dune. Dune came out, and that had some really good effects. Oh, did it? Um, oh, then I'm I've got a biased, um... biased view about special effects. <laughs> Eternals had better effects than this, I think. Oh, you think? I think I think the big celestial cosmic stuff mm. is way more visually interesting mm. than a lot of the CGI in this. I think yeah. the C- No, I'm not saying the CGI is bad in this film, but it's it's replicating a lot of stuff that we've seen before. Like Doc Ock's arms, the Iron Spider suit, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I, ju- I just suppose special effects is the always go to Oscar nomination for any Marvel film. You know, it's the one yeah, that they're always safe yes. to get or get nominated for it at least. I um I personally think that Infinity War or Endgame should have won Best Picture purely because those movies are like cinematic achievements that mm-hmm. cannot be done like ever again they've not been done before they've not been done since this movie isn't that same thing because this is this is an achievement but one (laughs) it's the type of achievement that's technically been done on tv before with the flash and is going to be done with movies with again the flash next year it's very similar to the big doctor who specials and stuff like that Mm. kind of very no, um, loosely, loosely. Yeah, but I get it's, what you're meaning. It's a big, it's a big achievement, but it's not something that could never be replicated. Me, I don't it's, like, um, I don't like it when you're talking down about this film because while watching this in the cinema, I just so much joy. I'm just, I'm just being realistic, man. I, <laughs> I this, I'm not honestly, that, I'm not at that level yet. <laughs> this, this film. And we are going to talk about spoilers, so mm-hmm. we're not going to do like a little spoiler. This is the spoiler-free section right now. Yeah, um, it's a it's a it is a good movie. If you have ever movie. even passingly liked Spider Man, you, you will enjoy this movie. And also, we recommend that before going to see this film, uh, just watch all the Spider Man films because it builds. <laughs> yeah. It just it's so much better. Not just Tom Holland. Oh, films. actually. If, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen any of the Spider-Man movies before going to go see No Way Home, which is, one, ridiculous. I reckon people um, listening to this... That's impossible. Have, I, they've probably already seen the film. But if you haven't, if you're um and ah and about it, crazy, um, watch it without seeing any of the previous Spider-Mans and then, Ooh. I guess, let us... I'm curious to see if this movie can hold up without watching the previous ones. But if even it Tom still Holland's. has that same... Well, maybe Tom Holland's, but like I don't know. I I wonder if this movie can can work on its own separately from the others. But anyway, let's. I think we should go straight into the the main event and talk about our our little English boy, Tom Holland Spider Man. Ah, uh, I've I've I, grown to love him. I think he's a really good Peter Parker and Spider Man combined. Where does he rank to you? Is he your favorite? Is he your least favorite? Well, I, I, oh. I don't think he'd be your least favorite. Oh, he's not my least. He's because I've always gone through the various Peter Parker. Well, the various Spider Man that we've had. That like, for example, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. I think Tobey Maguire is a great Peter Parker, 
and I think Andrew Garfield is a good Spider-Man. But Andrew Garfield is not the greatest Peter Parker, and I feel Tom Tobey Maguire Spider-Man could do with a bit more charm, a wee bit more enthusiasm uh, in the costume. But I would say Tom Holland is the one where I would go. You know what? He's perfect for both. That's 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 yeah. what I would do. That's how I go about it. So I would say Tom Holland is just perfect, just in general. <laughs> I I agree. I think that. Tom Holland's uh, Peter Parker in Spider-Man. I think it is the closest to the comic book version that we've mm-hmm, seen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that Andrew is. I think Andrew's performance in The Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think he has... He's, he's very good at what he is doing. He's very good at kind of being mm-hmm. a socially awkward outcast, but he's kind of like grungy and kind of cool, but like in an uncool way if you know what i mean like he doesn't have loads of friends but he's not like a a argyle vest wearing nerd like he's not like a, a big no, science geek or whatever no. he's just quiet and keeps to himself yeah and i think that is very good but peter parker was always kind of like he's always been through, the nerdy outcast. yeah he's always as as a kid he's always meant to be a sciencey nerd who's trying to aspire to be like the superheroes around him for selfish reasons. Um, And then as he goes through life and goes through tougher challenges and tougher situations, he becomes a much more like grounded, darker, more mature character. And I think this Peter more than any other version of the character has actually done the most growth. Oh, absolutely. Especially with, like, the other two films previously. Because, you know, in the Homecoming, he's all giddy about being a superhero and he just, you know, he just wants to get, get in it and he doesn't really It's understand. like he's playing. It's, yeah. You know, he's, he's still he's the got little this... kid in the costume. You know, he doesn't yeah. realise about, you know, the responsibility. Uh, you know, and, with... and that's the thing. I, th- I think one of, the, one of the problems with Far From Home that I have and a lot of people have is that Homecoming does a good job of showing a kid who um, he's he's sort of treating it as like it's it's a fun thing to do. It's it's mm-hmm. fun to be Spider Man, and then he realizes no, you actually have to sometimes sacrifice stuff. You have to do the right thing in order to be a hero, in order to be Spider Man. And then Far From Home, he sort of backpedals a little bit, like I just want to. I just want to go on a holiday with my friends. I don't want to be Spider-Man I suppose, all yeah, the time. Because he does have that... Um... And then he has to he has to relearn that lesson. So I think with like the loss of Tony Stark, him fighting in the endgame battle and all that, I can mm. understand why he might want to kind of break from being Spider-Man with the world putting a lot of pressure on him to sort of step up and become the new head Avenger. Yeah. I mean, when you kind of think um... about it, um, he goes from homecoming... To being like, oh, I love being Spider-Man, and then him going, oh, I realise there's, there's a big responsibility here. And then immediately there's a big end-of-world crisis, and he dies and comes back and has to fight a big purple guy. Of course you would want to break. Of course you want to have a little, like, <laughs> right, I, I just want to chill, guys. I've just lost my mentor. I just had to save the world twice. I died. I, I just need a break. So I can understand him going through that process. Yeah, and I, I put... Um... I think homecoming is all about how he has to 
he can't he, he can't play as spider-man he has to just be spider-man and do it for the right reasons not because it's fun not because it's a game because it's what he's supposed to do and then far from home is about him learning that he has to do this all the time mm-hmm. he never it's him kind of accepting that he doesn't really get a chance to switch off he can't just put the responsibility on someone else and kind of go off and have fun yeah and that is what edith is about edith is kind of like a physical representation of his responsibility and how because metaphorically he just wants to pass it off and like he ignores nick Fu- nick Fury is like right you need a you need to help us with this there's no one else available we need you yeah and he's and just he's asking like, for other superheroes like, yeah yeah he's like i don't want to do it go get someone else and that's what edith is about he doesn't want the responsibility so he passes it on to someone else and this movie following that theme is that he cannot rely on other people he has to do it himself and a lot of this movie is him figuring out how to deal with situations himself like he um his relationship with doctor strange in this movie isn't like oh doctor strange is a mentor no he goes to doctor strange because he's like maybe someone else can get me out of this situation. Maybe someone else can kind of, I've got, I know all these super people and maybe those super people can help me get out of this mess. Mm-hmm. But when he does and asks for his help with the spell and the spell goes tits up, Dr. Strange is like, you need a, if you've called them and it's not worked out, there's nothing more I can do. And he's like, Oh, I didn't even realize I could do that. He doesn't realize he can be responsible for his own mm, life. A, almost. It's a small joke, but it has weight to it. <laughs> Exactly. And a lot of this movie has him taking the reins and being responsible. Like mm-hmm. he, he is making a lot of the choices. And yeah, Doctor Strange gives him that side quest of, hey, you need to go catch all these these multidimensional villains. But when he catches them all, it's, it's... him who makes the decision to like, no, we need to save them from yeah. their horrible fate. And goes against um, the mentor, which is nice to see instead of just following everything they say you know i was do you want to give a brief rundown on what the plot of this movie is so basically what i love is it starts just as the last one ends like literally straight off the bat you know uh, yeah we find out that peter's identity is revealed to the world everyone knows that he's spider-man um and then and mysterious and is blamed for mysterious death and so, you know, he goes through various uh, interrogations and court and everything because obviously Edith was under was under his name, and so the drones are under his name. So it kind of it, it looks bad for him, but then he kind of gets my out. My favorite. So just briefly, one of my favorite shots of the whole film is when he's swinging away from the crowd, and you hear J. Jonah Jameson talking, and mm-hmm. he says a line where he's like. I'll tell you what he is, public enemy number one. And as he says that, the camera kind of moves around Peter as he swings through the city. And that shot with the with the way Jonah's talking just feels really, I don't know, intense. It's 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 hard to explain, but I just I love that shot of him swinging through with Jay Jonah being like, oh, he's he's a menace, blah blah blah. And then that leads on to him trying to get out the city. And do you notice when they get to that apartment? Mm-hmm. It's all one take. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so good. It's the small details. Um, in, in the apartment when Happy and May are like wondering about, yeah. 
Yeah, and that because they're, they're just in the middle of their breakup, aren't they? Which follows on again from where Far From Home left mm. off. I thought you'd give a snappier rundown of the plot than this, than a scene by scene breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I do snaps. No, I'll do I'll do a quick snappy. Basically, um, Peter's not happy with everyone knowing that he's Spider Man, um, and it kind of ruins his life and the life of his friends. Yeah, Ned and um, MJ, and so as they're all trying to get to college and everything. And so to try and fix this, he goes to Doctor Strange because there hope, hopefully will be some spell to fix everything. But um, as you saw from the trailers, it doesn't really work well because Peter doesn't know what he wants. You know, he, he just wants people to forget Spider-Man, but he kind of forgets. And so the spell just goes haywire. And it later it is later revealed that it's brought villains from other universes coming together. So we've got... Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, Jamie Foxx's Electro, The Lizard. That one confuses me. What? Jamie Foxx? Yeah, because the, the, the way they explain all these multiversal villains coming into the MCU is that because the spell is making everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, anyone from another universe who knows... Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yeah, all oh, through. Jamie Foxx didn't Electro, know. Yeah. yeah, Electro didn't know. Electro didn't know. It would have made um, it would have, th- it would have made more sense if the other Green Goblin came through. The other Oh yeah, yeah, Dan DeHaan. Um I'm glad that they brought Electro through and I think it technically I think it technically works because I think there's a scene in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I rewatched it the other day but I can't remember. I think Gwen calls Spider-Man Peter at one point and you see Electro sort of take note. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch it. In the final I think fight? It's like in the, yeah, I think it's like in the final fight. I think Gwen goes I think like you're, Peter and like or something. I think you're getting confused when she gets webbed to the car bonnet. Uh, no, no, she... no, because like, I know that happens before the fight, but I think there is a point during the fight when she turns up that she calls him by his name. All like, right. Peter, we need to do this. And Electro takes no. I also make like that. Um, I, I I think that's the only the only way it makes sense. No, you do raise a good point there. But we also get uh, the Lizard. And we also get Sandman. So those are... Who, <laughs> by the way, neither of those guys turned up to, to film this movie. No, they... Um, they, they, did, they did voice roles. To be honest, I'm not too bothered by it you know i don't really care especially because if you know this movie was filmed during covid and maybe those particular actors because of whatever restrictions couldn't get out and you know actually film the movie maybe they just weren't interested maybe they only wanted to do a voice bit but i think for the most part it works yeah Um, plus i'm i'm i liked how they presented sandman as that he's always just sand i thought that was cool i liked that it felt like the comics, mm-hmm. and I liked that the lizard was it. The only thing I change about the lizard design is I wish he was in the fucking lab coat. Oh, I yeah. just it he's just in adds... it for like two seconds in the Amazing Spider-Man, and that's it. But like he's he's it. He's in a fucking he's in a lab coat and purple trousers. That's what I want my lizard to look like. Not. A fucking naked dinosaur man, but whatever. yeah, I think a lizard would have um, a lizard. The 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 coat would have would have been lovely. Um, so yeah, those are the famous five. I'm, yeah, I'm they, sorry. they didn't do a Sinister <laughs> Six, did they? No, a it's lot the of people thought famous they would. five. 
Um, uh, I did no, so that's happened, and of course, uh, Doctor Strange wants Spider Man to pick them all up, but and take them back to their universe. However, Peter realizes that they all die in their universe, and Doctor Strange is okay just sending them back to die. Whereas Peter, after having a lovely conversation with Aunt May, has a conscience and is like. I, I th- Why are you saying it like this? Why are you saying it weird? <laughs> this is <laughs> right. Why are you doing you... like a weird voice? <laughs> what is this? What are you doing? Right, you've told me to tell to give you the plot of the film. I've tried two <laughs> times. First time you said it was too much, so I said right. I'll change it up a wee bit. I didn't say do a weird voice where you talk like this. <laughs> what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Right, you, use your normal voice. Right, so um, it's because I just get flustered every time I get to speak in the podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so in this movie, um, now that we've explained what's actually going on, what do you think about Peter's character arc? Because I know there's a, there's a lot of like extra stuff going on in this movie. You've got Doctor Strange, you've got other Spider-Men in this movie, you've got a whole menagerie of villains, but what do you think of Peter's actual arc through this movie? Do you think it's effective and do you think it follows on, like what we said with the other movies, about him learning responsibility in different ways do you think this carries that on uh, yes <laughs> it does i think <laughs> like i think it's it's very good because it kind of shows that he's he's understanding the responsibility of being a superhero and everything and like like you said earlier on it's him taking charge um and he's 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 matured as a character and you've seen that through the three films You've seen him being all giggly as a superhero, and then you see him, you know, taking responsibility. You've seen him being all what? G- giggly. <laughs> giggly. I don't know. Childlike. Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, and you, you see him grow and understand the weight of being a superhero and, like, the sacrifices he has to make to do the right thing. And that, that sometimes involves hurting people and going against people and fighting with close friends, like Doctor Strange. Um so I think it's a very good arc. Like this film alone, like it's a, it's a very different Spider-Man that we saw at the very beginning in Civil War. You know, um, yeah, and and that I think when you compare it to the other journeys of the other Spider-Man, he he has matured the most because I I think this version of of Peter that we get at the end of No Way Home, it feels like a natural progression of where he started in Civil War and Homecoming. Um, but it also it feels different. It feels like, oh, he's 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 learnt from these experiences and he's taken that on board. He's, you know, he's take and in this movie you actually see him apply past experiences to the situation because he he did work as part of a team. He did fight in a big space battle with a bunch of people. So when he it comes time to him to work with a team, he uses that. To you know, do the Captain America shit where he's giving people jobs mm-hmm. to do, where he's giving people ideas, and I think that like he is, he is the most comic accurate to me. He is probably my favorite. Going back to a question we talked about before, because I think this version has gone through that same growth that the version in the comics did. Where yeah, he, he started off. He he just wants to impress the other superheroes. He just wants you know. He wants to use his powers for selfish reasons. In the comics, he uses powers for wrestling to make money or to impress people. 
you know, or to like get revenge on all his bullies or whatever. And in this universe, he used it to kind of like be, play with the big boys, yeah, be an Avenger, yeah, be an Avenger you know, for his own self gratification. Look at me, I'm I, I'm so above school because I'm an Avenger now. And then through Homecoming and through Far From Home, he realizes, oh no, it's it's not about having fun. It's not about trying to get rid of the responsibility and pass it to someone else. You actually have to step up. You actually have to, you know, use this. And I think this is why they waited to use the phrase with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't till this that he actually learns that. This entire trilogy has been an origin story for Spider-Man. And I, I really appreciate that because I think he has gotten to that point where he has he is kind of closer to the the kind of comic book version but that's that's what happened in the comics spider-man didn't start out fully formed spider-man went through growth he lost people he lost gwen stacy captain stacy mm-hmm. aunt may and all that he went through periods i mean aunt may always dies comes back whatever but he went through those stages of loss and grew from it and became what everyone sees is, oh, that's just classic Spidey. And they've done the same thing with this version. Yeah, you You even get the classic Spidey at the end, you know, in his new suit. How great does that suit look? Oh, it's 10 out of 10. I love it. Um, So good. Like the colours and... I really hope that in his next movie that he, he... He's a bit snarkier with his villains because that is you get it you get it a lot in Homecoming. Not gonna lie, um, and I do like that. But I it, it kind of felt like he was intentionally that he was putting on a performance, like he was he was doing all the snarky stuff because it's like he's trying to put on a show for the bad guys, but it, he's still learning the ropes. So I'm hoping that now when he's like making the snarky remarks to the bad guys, that he means it. Do you know what I mean? Sort of, but I mean, you still get him making small quips at villains and everything, you know. You do, but I, I mean, in kind of like a more, like, like a meaner sense, because Spider-Man is mean to his villains. That's kind of, oh, true. You know, like he's, it's, it's kind of like part of that. He talks as much shit as, as Deadpool does. Whereas yeah. in Homecoming, when he's saying stuff like, "Hey, the the ferry to the illegal arms deals at ten. You missed it." It's like he's putting on a show for the bad guys because he's like, right, I need to, I need to project confidence, but he's not actually that confident. It's like when he's he's interrogating the. Oh yeah, he has to put. You know. Yeah, and like, oh, like when he goes to fight the bank robbers, he like he figures out how he's gonna stand when he announces himself. It's still him figuring out the ropes. Whereas now he's just Spider Man. He should just come out with the one liners and stuff without being like, oh, how, how do I have to act? Blah blah blah. Do you see what I mean? Okay, I get you now. Maybe maybe yeah. we we will see that in Spider Man Four, which I hope comes soon. Um, I mean, these Spider Man movies, like, how crazy is it that between Doctor Strange One and Doctor Strange Two, Spider Man has had an entire trilogy? I find that really weird. <laughs> it's the same between fucking Guardians of the Galaxy Two and Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Spider Man had an entire trilogy. Is John Watts the first one to direct three films? In the Marvel. Yeah. yeah. He directed three movies between Taika Waititi directing his first one and his second, I'm pretty sure. I think Homecoming came out after. No, Homecoming came out just before Ragnarok, actually, but same year. But you see what I mean? Like, these Spider Man movies have come out the quickest out of any of the Marvel franchises. 
Why is that? Is it because it's the most popular product? I think it's because it's the most popular product, and I also think it's because it's the only one that Sony's working on. Like so Marvel they're wanting have like to... a thousand different ones where Sony they've got their Sony verse, but their only MCU project they work on is their Spider Man stuff. So I think they can just rattle them out quicker. So I can just I can imagine Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal. Is it Amy Pascal? Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting in the office it's like, right, that was a that was a great trilogy we got there for Spider Man. Like, right, I'm 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 gonna get on with my other Marvel stuff, like, you know, Thor and Amy's going like, No, 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 no. We've got, we've got to keep doing it. It's like, no, we can take a break now. There's like, I, I still want to do some, you know, Captain <laughs> That's Britain. That's actually happened, Seth. <laughs> That's actually happened. They came out the other day and they're like, yeah, we're already working on Spider-Man 4. <laughs> but I can see I, I'm, just Kevin I'm, Feige. I'm just... saying it now, 2024, that's when the next one comes out. 2024. Okay. I... I'm, I'm, call, I'm, I'm calling it now. I, I think that's when the next... It might even come out sooner, but I reckon that's when the next Spider-Man movie comes what, out. What season? What season? Winter, summer, spring. Um, What's the other one? I'm going to say... I'm going to say the summer. I'm... No, actually, I'm going to say the winter. I'm going to say they're going to do a Christmas one. Again? Ooh. Dodgy. Yeah, I don't know. Because this one was only kind of Christmassy. Was it really Christmassy? At the end, he's like swinging through Christmas in New York City. That's the only Christmas scene. Um, you hear some Christmas music when he's going through that tunnel scene or whatever. Well, at the beginning. I, it doesn't matter. Let's, get, let's keep right, going. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, I th- I think we should talk about the villains because that was one of their big marketing points, wasn't it? it was, yeah. Look how many villains we've got back. But. What do you think of how they're used and what do you think of the actors returning? Well, I was just going to mention that interesting fact you told me about the original marketing plan of the film. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, originally. Oh, I was going to say. Uh, or do you want to say? I wanted to say, I wanted yeah, to say it. Because you know how we got the trailer and how all these grand villains coming back and you knew you, you felt that it was Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. But originally it was supposed to be like a Doctor Strange Spider-Man fight, like Civil War type of vibe that there were, again, two heroes fighting against each other. And I'm just sitting, when I when you told me this, and just in my mind I'm like, I think that would have been amazing if they did that because then well, look at well, the films that we got, you know? That's how they were going to market it. Yeah, that's not how... It's not like they were going to just do Spider-Man versus... Oh, no, no, Strange. no. Like the trailers and uh, yeah, the interviews That's and how everything. they were going to market yeah. it. But the thing is, though, I'm kind of curious how that would work marketing-wise because Doctor Strange isn't really in this that much. I know. Much. It would literally be all his scenes. And they only really have one fight scene. So obviously, if you want to show that it's a fight between or a civil war between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, you want to show them fighting in the trailer. So would you just show that one fight? And I guess you could, because there is more to that movie. But I mean, people were taking the piss out the fact that this movie was only showing the one Doctor Octopus fight on the bridge, and people were like, "Oh, there's obviously a lot more in this movie because this seems to be the only thing they can show." If they were just showing the Doctor Strange versus Spider-Man fight, people would have instantly gone, "There's definitely more to this movie because they've just shown the one scene in all the trailers." Um, so I am curious how that would have worked. But However, they definitely the way Doctor Octopus is introduced to this movie was 100% meant to be a reveal for the movie. Mm-hmm. So much. Because it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It is quite confusing how he just turns up, you know? 
Um, well, I mean, it's it's confusing in the moment. It's not confusing. Yeah, when yeah, yeah, it yeah. Explains it. No, no. Um, like because there's no it's it's there's no reference to a multiverse before that scene. It's like Doctor Strange is like, oh, this could affect the multiverse or whatever. Um, or does I, he? What Doctor Octopus? No, Doctor Strange. No, he, there's no mention. Um, no. I think he tells him about the multiverse after Doctor Octopus, doesn't he? Yeah, but can you just imagine you're going into that film thinking that it's just going to be Spider-Man and Doctor Strange fighting, and then this shit just happens. It would. It would. It would have been crazy. You want to know whose fault this is? The real villain of the movie that that ruined this uh, all these secrets and reveals. I know, but tell us. It's, it's Jamie Foxx. It's, Jamie. <laughs> it's all Jamie Foxx's fault. See, if it wasn't for Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina wouldn't come out and say yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, because this is the thing, right? The first ever hint that this movie was going to be something big was, um, it was, I can't I think it was, it was at the start of the year. I think it was like, it was still when we were all in lockdown. Jamie Foxx, it was like a, I think a, an article leaked going, Jamie Foxx is going to return as Electro in Spider-Man No Way Home. And instead of just ignoring that and moving on, he posts a thing on Instagram being like, Cat's out of the bag. I'm back, and this time I'm not going to be blue. And in that post, there's a picture of three Spider-Men looking at like a portal together, and people like freaked out. People like, oh my god, does this mean are they doing a Spider Verse? So then people go looking, and they're like, oh, Alfred Molina is going to be in it, and everyone's like pestering him for information and all this stuff, and like every aspect of this movie leaked. It's quite upsetting. the fucking soundtrack leaked like a week before the movie came out. The fucking soundtrack, like the full thing. They caught Andrew Garfield in 4K in this fucking movie. <laughs> that 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 uh, image of him against the blue screen that was going around the internet, that fucking shot is in the movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it like, wasn't just a behind-the-scenes thing. It was a fucking shot from the movie. It's ridiculous. Like, it makes me so sad. Like... And it was unavoidable as well. I know. I remember I was, I kept checking Twitter for like a few months to be like, I want to see if there's confirmation or like enough proof to like buy into it. Because I was like, I so want them to be in the movie. And then when it was announced, like when there was like enough stuff out there where like that 4K video of Andrew Garfield (laughs) and Spider-Man, I was like, right, okay, they're they're probably in it. That's it. I don't, I don't need to know anything else. And but, then more stuff kept coming out. I know. The stuff about the Statue of Liberty, the stuff around fucking, like, even little things like, yeah, Spider Man's going to get green paint splashed on him. That was just you a know. tiny little shot. Um, but it's, do you think your opinion of the film would have been would have been different if there was hardly any leaks? Like there was just nothing. All you got were the two trailers and that's it. Do you think your perception I, of the I film think, would be different? I think I'd be a lot more surprised. There was a bunch of stuff in this that I wasn't surprised by, but I still enjoyed seeing. Um, I think that the movie wouldn't have made as much money as opening weekend because I think if it was just advertised as a Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange movie... Yeah. Um, I mean, they do... I think when... I think it was the Disney... I think it was the Disney Investor Meeting... Uh, last year, uh, at the end of 2020, where they did a bunch of announcements where they said, and part of this multiverse story with WandaVision and Doctor Strange is Spider-Man. 
So I would have been curious, but if it was just advertised as Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange, I would have thought, oh, maybe it's just like setting up where Doctor Strange is at the start of that movie, yeah. which it kind of does. Plus, um, it'd, be, it'd be weird if they publicised the film like that and then like not a lot of people go in and see it and then those people that do go in, they're mind-blowing and then... I think it'd be weird if people coming out of the cinema was like, guys, 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 go see that Spider-Man film. There's a, there's a, just go <laughs> yeah. see it. It's like, but no, it's just Doctor Strange. It's like, no, no, <laughs> guys, just I, just go see it. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, if they didn't, if it wasn't for all these leaks, it would have been spoiled for a lot of people anyway because people would have gone into the movie, like you said, and come out and gone, oh, my God, Andrew and Toby turn up. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And people would have been like, oh, oh, shit. I need to go see this movie. And they'd have known they were going to turn up. So I don't think there was really a way to market this movie without the leaks. I think a lot of the leaks, a lot of the kind of look at this costume, look at this behind-the-scenes photo, I think a lot of that was important with the marketing. Um, I mean, most of these villains, which, by the way, how fucking great was it to see these villains interact with each other? Oh, I mean, thank you for getting back to the original question you asked me. Great. Sledge, Sledgeway? Segway. Uh, oh, it was amazing. I loved it. I was, I generally smiled when I saw Doc Ock and... Oh, you know what, you know so what I loved most? I loved seeing villains from the respective universes. Interacting with each, with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. With... Because, like, of course Doc Ock and Green Goblin would know each other. They're both top scientists working in New York they'd be aware of each other's work. And I love the fact that you ne- they never talk about each other in the movies, they don't interact in the movies, but that bit where um, Green Goblin comes in on the glider and Doc Ock's like, Osborne. Osborne. Yeah. And then when Green Goblin comes into the dungeon and he's like, Octavius, I love that they know each other and I love that they talk like they're old friends because mm-hmm. of course they fucking would be. They're scientists. Especially, I- And I love the fact that the Lizard and Electro know each other as well Mm -hmm. because they both worked for the same fucking company. Yeah. They were both scientists. You know, my favourite part as well is, you know, when they're realising that they died, you know, or they can't remember. Um, I do like that when Willem or Green Goblin is going like, like, I'm not dead, I'm alive. And Doc was like, no, you died here. And then Sam was like, so did you, man. Like, you died as well. (laughs) You both died. I fucking... I... I really like the line where they're like, where are we? And Zendaya's character just goes, you're in a wizard's dungeon. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, a, wizard, a wizard's dungeon? What? <laughs> it's, so, it's so, like, from his point of view, that would be so fucking random and scary. It's so, oh, I fucking love it. No, um, but they but did no, I, use the villains I think they, really well. They, yes, and they use what information they know about each other to really good effect. For example, like, they all think they're going to die fighting Spider-Man. But only, I think only three of them die. Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Electro are the only ones who die. And Doc Ock dies through self-sacrifice. Mm. Um, so Sandman... He's okay. He he doesn't know if he's going to die. But he's not worried about going back and dying because he knows he's not going to die fighting Spider-Man. He just wants to get back to see his daughter. So he needs to wait for them to get cured. Like, he's not there being like, oh, I need to get fixed. He's just like, once you guys are done, I get to see my daughter again. That's why he's cool just waiting around. But Lizard thinks he's going to die because Electro never responds to him, never gives him that clarification that he doesn't because the Lizard's like, 
Max, do do you know if I'm going to die? What's going on? And Max is just like, ignore him. What's happening? I want to, I want to try this new power out or whatever. Like, I think it was a clever way to get around the fact that, okay, yeah, now all these villains die from Spider-Man, but as, they all yeah, think get, that. Yeah, make them you know? scared. They all have their own motivations for wanting to stay in that universe or wanting to get that box. Mm. Like, the others want to get that box to destroy it. Sandman just wants to get that box so he can press the button and go home and see his daughter. Like, they're not a team all working together. They're all individuals fighting for their own goals. Mm. Um, What's Green Goblin's goal? He, he wants to just fuck shit up. That's, I was just about to say, we can't talk about the villains and not talk about the motherfucking Green Goblin. Oh, he's, the, he's the best. He's so good in this. Isn't it weird that we can now say that Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin is one of the best MCU villains? Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that fucking weird? It's, <laughs> so weird? Honestly, his performance in this film is way better than in his original version. 100%. Just, it's, and... You properly get I to think... see. Sorry, it's just you properly get to see that dark, twisted goblin in him. You know, it's like a proper Jekyll and Hyde in him, and it's it's hundred percent. It's fantastic to see that. He's so sinister and twisted, and they really kind of show the extent to which that that body enhancer really strengthened him up because mm. he fucks Spider Man up. Oh, you like... yeah. Yes, being. I think that fight between him and Tom Holland is a lot more brutal than the fight between Tobey Maguire and Willem Dafoe and Spider-Man One. Because there's a there's there is a lot of blood in that original fight from the first movie, but it's also kind of campy and slapsticky, which is kind of Sam Raimi's style. Sam Raimi, he's he's very good at kind of like absurd horror comedy type stuff, like with his Evil Dead series and shit. So there's a lot of like. He gets thrown like the like Spider Man pulls down a wall of bricks on top of Green Goblin, and then Green Goblin will like burst out of that in kind of like an over the top way, and you can tell the walls fake and all that stuff, and like there's a bit where like Tobey Maguire Spider Man, like webs like shoots yeah. webs out his and wrist, it makes it and it makes like a cobweb. Fence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But have like you, it. Have you ever noticed the weird noise it makes as well? It's like a fence. It's, <laughs> I never understood that. I never understood that to this day. I watched it recently, and I I made a note on my phone because I wanted to mention it in the podcast. It's like, why does it make that noise? It's like <laughs> it's like tinfoil being broken up. Like what? It's so. And you know what's like? I think this fight with Tom Holland it feels more intense because I at least I got the impression that this Spider Man was like actually afraid because mm. he's never fought a guy like this before vulture was kind of just a dick you know he was sadistic but he wasn't like out to just kill for the sake yeah, of killing. yeah like a, he, had, he had he was like a businessman he was an aggressive businessman mysterio just a regular was like guy sadistic and fucking was angry about losing his job but he wouldn't kill for the sake of killing mm. he you know was power fucking mad and wanted to kill people to get out of his way but he wouldn't just kill it for fun but norman osborne terrifying never came across so he's yeah it's the first type of villain like this that he's super villain in a way because he's you know he's he's never came across someone like this before Mm -hmm. it's terrifying and i think you you feel that because like that bit where he's like he's kind of like throttling him 
and he's proper just laying into him. He's like prop. You can tell that he's putting everything he's got into those punches, and Green Goblin's just walking it off. He just doesn't care. It's fucking. It's so good. But you know, my favorite scene is when he starts to sense something's off in the apartment. Oh, it's oh, it's my favorite scene in the movie. That's oh so my god, good. the fucking scene. Oh, like that was a great way to show not only like his spider sense, but just how the Green Goblin works, you know, because you don't see that in the other films. You just see these two guys. It's like Goleming. This is a very up-to-date, brilliant way showing the twisted, you know, the dark and the good in a person. It was so well done. I do think that this movie also kind of like, it doesn't change the dynamic of Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin as like separate personas, but it just, it does very clearly clarify that they are two separate identities Whereas in the original Spider-Man, I think it's a lot less clear-cut mm. if the Green Goblin is a separate personality or if it's just Norman Osborn's darker instincts and he's kind of just allowing himself to be that darker side. Because you have that scene at the end where it's Norman Osborn pleading to Peter Parker, oh, no, help me, the Green Goblin's going to kill me. But then he just he's like pressing buttons on his glider yeah. to kill yeah. him anyway. So it's a lot less clear-cut in that film if it is two separate entities or if Norman Osborn's just pretending because he, it's the way he admits to himself that he wants to kill. Whereas in this movie, they are very obviously separate people. Yeah, I think he just nails it. I, I, I always thought Dr. Octopus was my favourite Spider-Man character um, or in, this, in, the cinema, in the cinematic universe you know, with uh, Alfred Molina. But that film... With Willem Dafoe, he's fantastic. He's beyond amazing. He was so See, good Green to see Goblin's him. always been my has always been my favorite Spider-Man villain in the comics. In the movies, it was always Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, although I I do have a soft spot for the lizard just because I I like his voice. I like his character. I think his plan in the Amazing Spider-Man is completely ridiculous. It's so dumb. <laughs> and I love the fact that like Electro sort of makes fun of him with that in the scene. Yeah, like, yeah. They try to turn everyone into lizards, and he's like, "It's it was the next stage in human evolution." Like he's just the crazy mad guy who's like, "We all need to be lizards for no reason." <laughs> it's so good. But I think this movie, it's like this is the Green Goblin that is in the comics to me. He's not just some crazy guy who's like, I'm going to finish her nice and slow, whatever mm-hmm. he said. Like, it's, he's just crazy who just wants to fuck shit up and kill people and just wants to use his power for awful things. One of the reasons why I love the fact that Venom is in Spider-Man 3 is because Peter Parker, Spider-Man, has three main antagonists. Batman has Joker, Superman has Lex Luthor, but Spider-Man has Doc Ock, Green Goblin, and Venom. And they all represent different parts of him. Venom is the evil mirror of the Spider-Man side. Doc Ock is the evil mirror of the Peter Parker side. And Green Goblin is both of those evil sides of him combined into one. That's why those villains are so good. That's why they work so well against the character. Because they're all kind of dark mirrors of different parts of him. And in the case of Green Goblin, a complete dark mirror. And I think it's really satisfying in that third film that the new Green Goblin sacrifices himself to save Peter and it kind of brings it all full circle. And in this, I like the fact that the evil mirror, the kind of arch nemesis to Spider-Man, is what sets Peter Parker on the journey to become the classic, you know, 
mm-hmm. Spider-Man from the comics. And I fucking, I love what they did with the costume in this film. The new one at the end? Like the, no, like the Green Goblin one, I mean. Oh, the Green Goblin one. It's very good. I wanted to see Such more of Such a smart him. decision to... Oh, you wanted to see more of the mask? I wanted to see more of the mask. I don't know if it was just me, you know, with nostalgia and everything. But um, I wanted to see just a, just a little bit more. But I still liked the final uh, costume he had at the end. You know, where it's like the rags and everything. And how he's like got the spears coming out of his, um, you know, his cuffs and everything. To me, um, Willem Dafoe has always had like a goblin face anyway. Does like he just look? he just looks like the Green Goblin. You could just paint his face green and he looks like the Green Goblin. He's got like the pointy chin, the kind of bucked nose. I'm not saying he's like an ugly guy, but when he's doing like the creepy, sinister smiles and stuff, he looks like a terrifying person. So you don't hide a creepy goblin face behind a goblin mask. You know, just have him be the Green Goblin. So I think it was smart to smash the mask because one, it's a very nice parallel to the Spider-Man No More scene where the mask is in the bin yeah. and Peter walks off. It's a good parallel to that. Two, having that purple hoodie on top of the the Green Goblin suit makes him look closer to the um, the, the Goblin from one. the comics. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of Hobgoblin there with the hood and all that. And, you know, three, it's just... It looked better. It looked updated, but it also wasn't. It wasn't a completely brand new suit. It wasn't completely shitting on the original. It was just like, right, let's respect what came before, but see if we can do something a bit more updated, a bit more new with it. And I think seeing Willem Dafoe's expressive face during the Aunt May death scene, where he's like, "Is more you tried to cure me, but I'm gonna cure you." All that stuff, perfect. And it would have been way worse if he'd had that fucking helmet on instead. Cartoonish. Yeah, it would have been a bit gimmicky. What about the side characters? Yeah, so I suppose off the bat, we should talk about the the best side character. The the side character that made me squeal like a little girl. Motherfucking Daredevil's back. Oh my god. I, I, I was so happy. Was that before or after I told those two girls to shut up in the cinema? I think that was before. Because <laughs> we, uh, we were in, um, when we went to the cinema to see this, we had these these two girls were sat. I think they were quite young as well. I think they were just teenagers. And they were just like talking like they were just in their living room. It's so pretty and they rude. Were, they were, to be fair, they, they, I, I think they were trying to talk during loud scenes, I guess. No, they weren't. But there was a point where I was like, I was like trying to listen to, the, to these two people talking. And these, these girls are just fucking. At one point, one of the girls turns the torch on her phone and is just like reading the label on like a fucking Coke can. And I'm like, are you being fucking serious? Awesome. And I, I took, cause we sat with a friend and I was like, should I say something? Cause is that rude? And then you said, if you just fucking jumped to action, you were just like, can you two just shut the fuck well, up? No, cause, cause I heard you say that. I heard you saying, should I mention something? And I, I was just like, look, just do it yourself. Cause I was getting really annoyed. Cause they were not talking during the loud scenes. They were, they were just being so rude. And I was looking around. Everyone else was looking at them. So they were just waiting. Yeah, because that's to what I, I was trying to see. I was like, because I don't want to say something and look like a dick. And I was looking around. I was like, well, everyone else seems annoyed. And I was so, I was so happy you did it. I was so <laughs> like, go up to like cool teenage girls and be like, oh, excuse me, can you, can you be quiet, please? <laughs> I, I, I was just, I was firm and direct. And I said, excuse me, do you mind not talking while we're watching the film, please? Thank you. 
and just went back. <laughs> see, this is this is why you'd make such a good teacher, Seb. Oh no, thank you. Before we went to see the film, um, I'd there was like shitloads of rumors that Charlie Cox's Daredevil was going to come back, um, but then Charlie Cox had come out and said, "Look, if they do Daredevil, it's probably going to be someone else." And then Kevin Feige came out and said a few months later, being like, "If you see Daredevil in any MCU project coming up, it will be played by Charlie Cox." Where that project's going to be is unclear, and I thought, "Wow, maybe he is actually going to be Peter Parker's lawyer." And I was like, "But is that too much? Adding Daredevil on top of all this stuff? Like, if the other Spider-Men are in this, if Doctor Strange is in this, and that, and they're throwing Daredevil in, is this going to feel too overcrowded?" Um, but I think they used him perfectly. I think having just Matt Murdock turn up as the lawyer was fucking inspired. It was such a good way to introduce the character. I mean, I was just screaming inside because the last time I saw him was Daredevil Season 3. And also, you know, when the bird gets thrown through the window and he just catches it and he's just (laughs) like... I love that line. uh, I was like, how how did you do that? I'm a really good lawyer. I was like, of course you are. You're the best. It was was perfect. Now, do you think that this means that all of the Netflix shows are going to be MCU canon? I feel they're going to cherry pick. Yeah, I I think that. I think the way they're going to do it is it's going to be like J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson. Mm -hmm. It's the same actor playing the same character, but it's a different version. Um, I think purely because one... I mean, people... I mean. Stuff like this is kind of complicated because now that they've put him in this film, people are obviously going to like people who don't know anything about Matthew Murdock or Daredevil are going to be curious about that character because it's such a nice little tease. Who is this blind guy who can catch bricks? What the fuck? They're going to find out. Oh fuck, he's Daredevil. Oh shit, there's three seasons of that show on Netflix. I'm going to go over to Netflix. So they're already kind of advertising a rival in the streaming company. But in terms of moving forward, I don't know if they actually have the rights to use the stuff from that show, like events or whatever. I don't know how the legality of it all works out because I don't know how much Netflix owns, how much Disney and that own. So, and plus there's like little continuity things. For the most part, the continuity works. But Mahershala Ali was a villain in Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's now playing Blade. Yeah, so do you think they just ignore that and roll it all over as canon? Or do you think they will just be like, okay, it's the same guy, he's got maybe the same costume or an updated costume, some of that stuff happened, but it's not that important. I think, yeah, I think the second option is more likely that they won't come out and completely address it. They'll just move on with the character, you know? They'll probably do. They, we won't probably get another origin of Daredevil, I think, or maybe, actually, because this is the thing. Because it was a TV show. Oh, this is a really good point. Because it's curious to see how much they're going to bring over. Yeah, because they... they are just going to go. Yep, that that show is a hundred percent canon, and all those other shows are canon. I wouldn't mind if they brought back the rest of the cast. I think, I think Kristen Ritter was great as Jessica Jones. I think Mike Coltier was great. Is it Coltier or Coulter? I don't know. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he was a really good Luke Cage. 
Finn Jones, on the other hand, who played Iron Fist, I always kind of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I always thought, oh, no, he, he's got potential. But I think it came out, like, a few months ago that one of the stunt coordinators on Iron Fist was like, yeah, the main actor didn't want to train. He didn't want to practice the kung fu or any of the stunts or anything. So if he couldn't be bothered for, like, a big Netflix production... He's going to be useless in Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and plus, like, you would have to train him up to be at least slightly as good as Shang-Chi. Who is jacked as hell. And he's fucking... He's, like, the best kung fu guy ever. Yeah, they're going to have to I, I find... I don't know how much... They're going to have I, to find maybe someone Maybe they else. just recast him. I don't yeah. know. Well, that's why I keep thinking that they're, they're, they're going to cherry pick. Who knows? All, all I'm going to all I'm gonna say, Seb, is I think next week's episode could potentially give us some clarity. Okay. Is this something to do with Hawkeye? I'm just saying we might have some clarity on what is going on Ooh. in New York next week. Okay. There's, there's, there's rumours, which I do not I do not believe. I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm going to address it just in case. There's rumours that apparently Spider-Man might, like, might rock up in the Hawkeye finale. No. Because Hawkeye is set at Christmas in 2024, and Spider-Man No Way Home <gasps> ends Christmas 2024. Oh. And it does kind of make sense because Tom Holland keeps saying that his contract is up. But his contract was for one more Spider-Man movie and one more MCU crossover project, <gasps> which we've not seen. <gasps> oh. You know, if it's Hawkeye, if 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 Hawkeye's where they've thrown him and that's how the end is contract, I think that's going to be hilarious. Because <laughs> everyone was like, it's going to be Secret Wars. But if it's like, nope, it's... oh no, he's just in like the finale for Hawkeye for like two seconds. What, that's what, funny as what, what, what happens if it's literally Hawkeye reacting to Spider-Man swinging in the last scene of Spider-Man No Way Home? Like, you know, I that shot. that'd be fucking cool, man. It's like, oh, look, it's I, Spider-Man. I fucking, I was hoping so much that he'd turn up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier because the finale's in, in New York. New York. And I was like, God, it would just be so cool because there's a fantastic panel in the comic. I've not read the comic it's from. I think it's from one of the early runs of Falcon when he became Captain America, which I've not read yet. I think it was in the all-new, all-different era of Marvel Comics. And there's a great panel where Spider-Man is like, he's like attached to Falcon. I think Falcon's like carrying him or something like that. And he's like, how's being Captain America? And he's like, it's it's good. And he's like, can I throw the shield? And he's like, no. He's like, Steve, let me throw the shield. And he's like, no, we didn't. (laughs) I want them to recreate that with Anthony Mackie and Tom Holland. Oh, because that'd be so good. (laughs) Oh, that'd be amazing. I'm actually going to, you know, fly through Hawkeye now, if that's the case. I've heard some other rumors about Hawkeye, but I think we should leave it. For when we we'll talk leave about for Hawkeye. the Hawkeye episode. <laughs> yeah, but other side characters from No Way Home. Uh, I think Doctor Strange is perfect. He, he's he's perfect because he's not. The film's not relying on him to be there in every scene. You know, um, he's just in a couple of shots and then he's stuck in the mirror dimension and then that's him. I like how Marvel at that stage where they can just have some characters appear and then disappear and you don't need them for the story to progress. I really like that. So they did use him really well. Here's something kind of subtle that doesn't really get talked about as much, but it can only be done in this wider universe, right? Can you imagine if, say, in Tobey Maguire's third Spider-Man movie, he was just like, oh, fuck. Um, 
this Venom symbiote's a real issue. Oh, I'm just going to go to that wizard down the street. And they just went to a random wizard that you've not seen in any of the other movies, and he just became like one of the main side characters of yeah. that film. It wouldn't work at all. But because of the universe that this movie's in, he can go see Doctor Strange, and no one blinks an eye. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, of course he's going to go see Doctor Strange. Yeah. He's not been in any of the other movies, but it works because he's part of that universe. And you know about him. Even if you've not seen Doctor Strange or Infinity War or Endgame, Doctor Strange is like a household name these days. Mm-hmm. It's Benedict Like, Cumberbatch. I think that's so underappreciated with this universe. Yeah, it's it's actually a really nice thing. It just brings the comics to life. Like, I'm currently reading Civil War 2, and there's just so many characters coming in, coming out, and it's amazing to see that on screen. It's I, I made a list because I saw people complaining about how, like, oh, you know, as as we get more characters added to this universe, it's going to start making less sense why those characters can't just interact more. Like, why doesn't Spider-Man just go call the Avengers? And I was like, well, okay, let's let's have a look at this. So I made a list of all the currently active Avenger characters and where they currently are and who would be helpful in this situation and who would actually turn up, Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Captain America, uh, the new one, Sam Wilson, Captain America. They're busy fishing. Lives in Louisiana, exactly, yeah. Winter Soldier, probably living with Sam in Louisiana. Hitting, Thor, on, hitting on Sam's sister. Exactly. Thor, off-world. He's in space. He's in space with the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're off-world as well. Hulk, maybe New York City. It's not clear yet. We've not really seen where he is in Phase 4. We won't see until, like, She-Hulk. And She-Hulk might be set in New York, but it could also just be set in, like, Chicago or Washington, another American city. So if he is in New York, he maybe could have helped, but... He didn't. Yeah. So that could be a pothole, but we don't know where he is, so we can't really comment. Um, Hawkeye lives in Missouri is in New York around about this time, but he turns up to New York after the events of this movie. And really, what's Hawkeye going to do? You know? He's going to stab some with an arrow. <laughs> He's not even going to shoot it. He's going to run up and shank him with it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't need the bow. <laughs> uh, we've got Black Panther. He's in Wakanda. Captain Marvel is also off-world. Scarlet Witch is specifically in hiding. Doctor Strange is in New York and he helps him. Uh, Ant-Man and Shang-Chi both live in San Francisco. So the only people who could have potentially helped him, because the big multiverse stuff takes place over two days. All he does is he catches them very quickly and then he tries to cure them and then they break out and then that night he deals with them. He doesn't have time to call any of the other Avengers that live far away. So the only people in New York that he could have asked for help is Doctor Strange, who was trapped in that other universe, and Hawkeye, even though he's not in New York at that time. So maybe the Hulk, who is a scientist who could have helped, but maybe he was out of town that week. But what what would he do? Well, he's a scientist. He could maybe help them come up with the cures for the villains, I guess. But But that's even if he's in New York. Yeah, but Peter managed to do that easily. If Green Goblin exactly. didn't, you know. All of that to say, I think it's 100% plausible that no other Avengers turned up in this movie. Because the only one who feasibly could have turned up, or should have turned up, did turn up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fine. I don't think it's a plot hole in this thing. But yeah, I think Doctor Strange is used perfectly. He's mm-hmm. 
he's playing the role I wanted him to play when they announced they were bringing him into this universe. As the kind of guy you can go to for help. He's an authority figure. He knows his stuff. Perfect. Absolute perfect. Any more side characters we should talk about? Or can we talk about the main event? We haven't we haven't talked about MJ or Ned Leeds yet. But what's to say? I really? think Zendaya as MJ is really fucking good in this film. Oh. I think like, her <laughs> I do I do like how in this film you just see a lot more of her. And it you make sense it makes sense because it's Peter's girlfriend. But you get little trips in homecoming, then you get a you know, just a taste of it in Far From Home. But in this one, she's properly like she's a lot more confident as well. Like this is another thing. You see a lot of growth in the smaller characters as well. I mean in Homecoming she was hardly in it. But in Far From Home and this, you know, you see how confident she is with Peter and how much she loves him. Um, and it's really nice to see I, that. I also think she does a good job of portraying a young girl in potentially her first relationship. Because at the way her and her and Peter talk to each other, like that FaceTime scene, where she's like, I'm excited to see you tomorrow. Like, yeah. There is that kind of like nervous teen sort of anxiousness going on. And I also think that like when she says to Peter, I love you, you buy it because they've gone through a lot together. They went through all the stuff at Far From Home. They're going through all this together. And it's been like a six-month period of them dealing with the press, dealing with fucking college applications and all this shit. Like, they've gone through a lot together and they've stuck by each other, you know? Yeah. And I think the fact that they did all that in this movie... One of the big complaints I had in the last movie, not big complaints, but one of the things that I was like, well, that's a bit weird, is it was implied that she would eventually become his love interest at the end of Homecoming when she says her name is MJ. Mm-hmm. But then Far From Home jumps to the fact that Peter has all of a sudden got a crush on her. Barely fucking spoke to her in the first movie, and now this movie is all obsessed with her. And I was a bit like, well, that feels rushed, but this relationship that they have in No Way Home makes the Far From Home stuff worth it because their relationship feels real. And yeah, it probably helps that they're actually dating. It's like with Andrew Garfield and Gwen Stacy. And Gwen Stacy, Emma Stone. You buy their chemistry more because the two actors were actually fucking each other. Exactly. (laughs) So that helps. Um, (laughs) Emma Stone or Zendaya? (laughs) Oh my God. You you can't ask such a creepy question on Zendaya, 100%. (laughs) 100% she's she's fantastic also her her outfits during the press talk oh fantastic all, and they were filled with like comic book references like she wore like a little Doc Ock yeah thing on her back on Graham Norton she did like a she wore the was it purple and green yeah it? yeah yeah and then she wore spider webs um, and a lovely dress <laughs> I bet she's won a lot of Tom Holland spider webs <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> Um, Ned Leeds, do you think he's going to become the Hobgoblin? Um, no. I I kind of think they do. The fact that they sort of reference it in this, the fact he was wearing yellow and blue for most of this movie, and the fact that he knows magic, they might make him an actual magical Hobgoblin. But how are they going to do that now? Well, I mean, I'd be interested to see how they do that, because now they just, they don't know Peter. Well, this is the thing. 
We'll get to that at the they end clearly, of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that at the end. But I do think... Actually, no, we'll save it all to the end because I am curious about how that final spell works. But what is interesting about Ned Leeds using magic is it leads to the biggest part of this movie. You sound lost. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted me to say something. Um, <laughs> well, you, you had no. I, I expected some kind of reaction, some what? kind of ah, yes, it does, Thomas. You're oh, right. Oh, right. Let me let me do that again. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, to- oh Thomas, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. So, what he's, happens? He's, he's, he, Thomas, he's tell somehow, me. I'm interested. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> S- Spider Man steals Doctor Strange's sling ring. He gives it to Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds puts it on and he waves his hand and goes, I wish I could see Peter Parker. And a little portal starts to open. <laughs> and then he, he does it again. <laughs> I wish I could see Peter Parker. And that, that portal opens up. And in, in the distance, we see what looks like Spider-Man, but the yeah. costume's not the same. Who, who well, could it possibly be? It's... And then he comes running through the portal, takes off the mask... It's the rent guy from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <It's the rent. laughs> you know what? I would have fucking... I'd have stood up and clapped <laughs> in the, if he took off his mask and it was fucking Mr. Dickovich from Spider-Man 2 and he went, rent? give me rent. <laughs> fucking... rent. But no, Andrew Garfield, the amazing Spider-Man himself, turns up in this movie. I was... I was, in, I was like in disbelief, but at the same time, just like, I, they've done it. It was fantastic. I felt like Han Solo when he gets in the Millennium Falcon in The Force Awakens and Ray's like asking him all those questions and he's like, oh my God, it's it's true. All of it. Mm -hmm. Because all the rumors, all the leaks, everything we'd heard about, part of me was like, he has denied it so much that there is a chance he's actually not in it. Yeah. That maybe they're teasing... Maybe he's going to be in Multiverse of Madness. Maybe he's in Secret Wars or something. Maybe they tease his arrival in a later project and they're focusing on the villains in this movie. And I was like, oh my God, what if he's not in this movie? And seeing him take off the mask, there's still part of me that's like, that's struggling to register it. I I think that was the first time in a cinema where there was multiple people gasped. Like... I One, noticed this is the funniest thing, right? Because you see it all the time on YouTube audience reactions mm-hmm. where people film the movie illegally. And weirdly, even though you're not supposed to do that and like fucking pirate the movie, uh, Marvel used that in a lot of their promotional campaigns for like their next phase four. Like, look at how the audience reacted. Yeah. So now when people post screenshots, they try and get away with it by going audience reaction. So even though they're showing the scene, they're trying to be like, oh no, we're just trying to show the audience reacting to the scene or whatever. Over in America, people go fucking crazy. They shout, they clap, they freak out. Over in a, over in the UK, where we are, that doesn't really happen. No, it's very... People don't really... People will laugh and people will cheer for like a really big thing. I think people cheered at Endgame, didn't they? I struggle to remember. They didn't. It was well. The, it was one person cheering, and that was me tapping you, going, "It's happening." He's going to say the line. I, <laughs> I think. Pete, I think there was cheering because it was like opening night. But I think it was only for the big things, for the big portal sequence and all that stuff. If a character turned up 
they were, people weren't freaking out. But for that big moment, I think a lot of people were like, woo, yeah, whatever. I think there was a lot of that. But that usually doesn't happen. But when fucking Andrew Garfield takes his mask off, there was like a few groups of people who, who started to clap, realised no one else was doing yeah. it, and then stopped. I, I just <laughs> so... noticed... I just noticed some people just like I feel leaning over, going, "Oh my god, it's Andrew Garfield! It's Andrew Garfield!" Like it was, I, it was I, amazing. I loved it. It was like the satisfaction, and what I was talking about before is like it. It did feel like a Doctor Who episode because having him, it's like when the the Doctors would meet each other, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I'm saying by this could be replicated again because in the Flash movie we could have different Batman talking to each other different flashes talking to each other this type of cinematic achievement is achievable again but the fact that marvel are the ones who did it first on the big screen barry allen from the tv show and barry allen from the snyderverse have met in a tv crossover Mm -hmm. so it has been done before but the fact that marvel have done it first in a movie I guess they kind of win the multiversal arms race a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, do you know, I also find it quite funny that the biggest, well, to to date, the biggest, like, Marvel things that makes people, like, cheer and everything have always happened in portals because you've had the end yes. portals. You know, they, they come through the portal and everyone loses their shit. And then you have the Spider-Man coming through portals. So watch out, guys, in future Marvel projects, when there's a motherfucking portal, prepare yourself, because you know something's <laughs> going to come. I mean, I mean, that's massively unlikely. I don't no, think no, Doctor, no, no, no. I, I think in Doctor Strange 2, there's, there's going to be a lot of portals, and I doubt well, a new well, character's going to come through every yeah, one yeah, of them. You never know. There's not just Andrew Garfield in this movie. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. See, they realise that the portals, it's like, oh, they're trying to find Peter Parker. So I think we should just keep doing it till we find the real one. So they turn around and they open up another portal. And who steps through that portal but fucking Tobey Maguire, oh. the OG Spider-Man himself. Oh, I was, I and was then, so happy. And then they don't try the portal thing again. They don't try and find Tom Holland Peter Parker at all. Like, that, that I mean, did kind that of bother me true. a little bit. I mean, <laughs> They go, we'll keep doing it till we find the real one. Tobey Maguire comes through and they're like... Well, damn, we just don't know where he is. If only well, there was no, a no, way no, we could no, find Peter no, Parker. It's, it's because they thought he was just a random civilian, so that's why they stopped. Do you know what I remember? Yeah, but once they find out that he's Peter Parker, they don't they don't try. They just go, oh, he's probably at the school. Let's go there. Just don't ruin that moment for me, man. That's, <laughs> that's a perfect scene. It's still a good moment, but I I um I kind of just forgive him for that because I was like, you know what? It's it it, it doesn't quite makes sense because they could just open up a third portal to get to the tom holland spider-man but maybe they're like you know what let's maybe they did it off screen yeah maybe they portaled there a different way i I don't know i don't know i think it is that bit could have they could have come up with a different reason why those two people why those two spider-man came up i get why they did it that way and for the most part i think it works i think it is a bit yeah, and I think the way that those two Spider-Men interact with each other... Oh, so good. Them two meeting each other is fun, and it's it's really good. But what works is the fact that they then go and speak to Tom Holland. And what is so good about this scene, one of my favourite scenes in the movie, is that they don't treat it like a big, oh, look at all the Spider-Men together. Those two Peter Parkers come through at a very critical point because Aunt May... Another side character we didn't really talk about. She gets fucking killed in this movie. Yeah. I and it's having... the first time 
that's happened in a Spider-Man movie where they've killed Aunt May. Mm-hmm. That's it's quite it's quite a big deal, you know. It's, it was very it's, emotional. It, it is quite a big deal. It's it's kind of a shame that Aunt May um, didn't really have much to do in the last movie because he's on holiday, so he doesn't really have a lot of scenes with Aunt May. I think Aunt May was quite good in the first film, even though you don't get a lot mm-hmm. to do with her. But I think the best Aunt May interactions and relationship on screen is Toby and his Aunt May. You know, I think she's she's much she's much more of like an actual motherly figure. Yeah, you get a yeah. sense that they actually really care about her. Whereas for the the Amazing Spider-Man movies and the MCU movies, they kind of got pushed to the background a little bit. They were more of like a plot device. And I think that this movie does a fairly decent job of correcting that by giving Aunt May the with great power comes great responsibility. That was great. I, I couldn't believe they did that as well. And I think that line also, in my mind, justifies why she was so keen for Peter to be Spider-Man in the last movie. Because one of the other complaints was the fact that we don't really see the fallout from when Aunt May finds out Peter is Spider-Man. It's the it's kind of the cliffhanger at the end of um, Homecoming, but because of the nature of the franchise, because Infinity War was coming up, they completely skip over that and they do Infinity War, and Aunt May isn't even mentioned or seen in that movie. She's at the funeral at the end of Endgame, but you don't get any sense of, oh, she's angry at him for being Spider-Man or any of that. You don't no. get any of that kind of hint. However, the fact that this movie, she gives Peter, she tells him two different times, this is your, she gives the great responsibility speech, but then also when they find Norman Osborn, she the does feast, the whole yeah, yeah, which great detail. Um, I, I was really happy with that. I was looking for Mister, um, what's his name? Go on, you can do it. I was going to say Mister Negative Man. Yes. Oh, is well, it? Oh, you were close. It's Mister Negative. Ah, damn. I don't know why you'd added why you added man at the end. <laughs> Mister Negative Man. Um, the fact that she tells him. Don't just send them off to their universes. Maybe if they're all like this, maybe they could do with your help. And she and he's like, oh, it's, sending them home is what's best for them. And she's like, is it what's best for them or what's best for you? I think it, it shows without saying that the reason why Aunt May was so keen for Peter to be Spider-Man is because after Tony Stark died and there was the big battle, she's obviously like, well, fuck, people need heroes. And he's got these abilities. I can't just stop him from using these abilities because he's needed. So the fact that she knows that the world needs him, I think what she was trying to do in Far From Home, and you see that when she's like, take the costume. You yeah, know, yeah. you should do this, you should do that. She wants him to be responsible with his powers. She doesn't want him to turn into like a criminal or just use it for you know selfish reasons. She's trying to get him to be responsible, which I think is very fitting for this version of Aunt May. Everything she did in Far From Home and everything she did in this movie, it all makes sense because she just wants Peter to be the most responsible version of himself that he can be, which I think is perfect for why she says, with great power, there must also come great responsibility, which is also the first time we get the full line in a movie as well. And I think the fact that she said that line to him, it could have come across a bit cheesy, a bit like, oh, whatever... But the fact that that's kind of a setup for payoff when the Spider-Men come and he says, Aunt May told me with great power and then Tobey Maguire oh, finishes so the line off. Mm-hmm. Perfect fucking... To that scene oh, blew me away. 
but they also do kind of lie a little bit. Yeah, with Andrew Garfield's one. Yeah, because Andrew Garfield's like, oh, Uncle Ben said that to me. It's like, no, he didn't. But I, <laughs> no, I think what he said, I think what um, Uncle Ben says, you're a lot like your father. You are. You really are, Peter, <gasps> and that's a good thing. Yeah. But your father lived by a philosophy, a principle, really. He believed that if you could do things for other people, you had a moral obligation to, to do, do those, those things. things. That's, that's what's, what's at, at stake, stake here. here. Not choice, re- responsibility. Exactly. Which isn't quite the same That's thing. That's not what he said. It's not what he said. But I still love the moment where, where Tom Maguire looks at Andrew Garfield and Andrew Garfield like looks at him and they have that moment of, oh my God. And I love the bit where he's like, well, maybe she didn't die for a reason. Maybe she died so you could become who you're supposed to be. I think it's just, it's such a fucking lovely, brilliant way to unite them all. And then then we get that great laboratory sequence where they're all working on the the cures together and they're talking to each other and they're sharing oh, their experiences. So and it you have a lot of like some foreshadowing for later stuff. You have a lot of reconciliation between the characters. You get some updates on where those other Peters are yeah, in their yeah. life. I wish we got snippets of other adventures beyond the movies that we saw. Yeah, like they mention, like you know, when they're talking about what's the biggest villain you fought, and they're just referencing, you know, the villains that we've seen. I, I, it would have been nice if they mentioned like a little Easter egg saying, "I fought this big water man called Hydro Man or something." You know? Yeah, there was um, a guy who hunted me. You loved hunting stuff. What was that about? <laughs> It'd yeah. be nice if we got something like that. Do you have a guy well, called I w- Craven? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I I think the reason they didn't is that I reckon. They they didn't want to tie down either of those characters to continuity outside of their movies in case those guys ever wanted to come back yeah, um, and well, do some stuff. Because I, I reckon Sony's Spider-Man universe, which originally was called the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, are Spunk for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good old sp- bring back spunk, <laughs> spunk oh, with spunk. an M. Spunk. So, <laughs> um, so I think that they didn't want to tie those characters down because if they do their Sonyverse, I wonder if they were hoping that they could get Tom McGuire or Andrew Garfield to be the Spider-Man again well, in I... their universes with Morbius and shit like that. Well, I believe Andrew Garfield's they're, 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 they've got plans to bring him back. There's all kinds of rumours, but it, stuff like that is, is, is hard to believe because I remember when the Snyderverse came out, a bunch of new sites were like, Ben Affleck will come back and Zack Snyder wants to do another one and, oh, people are thinking of a sequel, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, just wait and see. Wait and yeah. see until something concrete comes out. Hey, that's you know? what I say. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying it off of like, so people don't get their expectations too high about potentially fake headlines. I'm not like... Just to shut up. You know, a conversation. Yeah, I don't say it to end a conversation. <laughs> well, well, Thomas, we'll just have to wait and see. So, <laughs> so yeah, you get that awesome scene in the lab, um, and you, you you see moments between the two Peters as well. But I do love the the final fight, and just before the final fight, when they're all chatting and they're all interacting, um, like That's about so the good. web fluids and everything. Like the I fact, love the that fact they reference that. Oh, it's so. It's well done. Hats off to them for doing that. It was so good. 
Um, I also love when Ned finds out that Tobey Maguire's best friend tried to kill him, and th- and then Ned just brings up, "Was like, I'm I'm never I'm not going to be an evil, evil man." Or like an evil villain I, in the future, and then it's. it's I kind a, of wish that Andrew Garfield Spider Man had also chimed in and gone, "Yeah, my my best friend tried to kill me too," like um, Dane DeHaan's uh, Harry Osborn. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose, yeah, that's a missed opportunity, but it was just so funny the interaction because it's it. awkward, yeah. but then it's like okay, because <laughs> because I, I love the fact that he's like, "I'm not going to do a super villain and, and kill you." I try and kill you. I love that Andrew Garfield just like pats him on the shoulders. Like, yeah, good, good job, man. I thought it was Toby, <laughs> I thought it was Toby Maguire who gives him a no, thumbs it, up. It, it, it's Andrew Garfield who gives him the thumbs up. Ah. So I guess that is him. Maybe going, yeah, don't, yeah, don't this do is what so good. To us. But um, but that's what I'm talking about. The fact that they reference that the two previous best friends have became Green Goblins. That they kind of reference that. I wonder if that is them kind of foreshadowing Ned Leeds becoming a a potential Hobgoblin down mm-hmm. the road. Um, but no, the, their their interactions. Is just perfect, and we also get that famous meme come to life. We're all three Spider-Man. Yes, we actually get it twice. You get it in the lab, and then on the Empire State Building. Um, yeah, not the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. Sorry, <laughs> I, don't, I, <laughs> Empire State. I don't know my landmarks. I, I love that fucking. I love that bit where he's like, um, "Does Peter have a place that he'd go to to be alone?" And Andrew Garfield's like, "Mine was Empire State Building. It's a better view." And he's like, "That is a sweet view." Yeah. <laughs> I love the way. <laughs> These characters, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, Tom McGuire Spider-Man, feel like they're right out of their movies. Oh, 100%. Their, their characterizations don't feel different. They feel perfect continuations. Mm-hmm. Electro, on the other hand, quickly going back to him, I think they changed his character up a lot. Oh, they had in, to. Yeah. In The Amazing Spider-Man 2, he's a lot nerdier. He's a lot. He's kind of like a weirdo. Which is like a strange trope in comic book movies that a villain starts off as like a nerdy freak type person who's like dead creepy and obsessive, and then they have an accident and they become like a a really cool super villain. Mm. Um, but I I do prefer this version of the character, and I like that they sort of explain it by going it's a different universe, so yeah, his body's affected in a different yeah. way, which you... I suppose is kind of why Sandman looks the way he does, and the lizard doesn't regress the lizard stays as a lizard yeah the universe has its its effect on them um, yeah but it's not also just the between the interaction between the two spider-man it's also with like their their counterparts like their villains like i love that small little uh, that small little interaction between alfred molina and toby Maguire. oh, oh it was, it so, was well so, done. so beautiful well written and it's also just a small line where he goes I'm trying to do better, and it's just like because that's oh, that's what he said God. to him in Spider-Man Two. It's I, so oh, good. I loved it, and it's to, it's Alfred Molina is just so proud to see him. You know, I think and that's a small detail that I love as well. Um, and I think it was such a brilliant idea to bring back Doc Ock, but not bring him back as just an outright villain. No, because I I saw a lot of people who were who were worried that if they bring Doc Ock back, will it affect his character arc? in Spider-Man 2, and I think the way they handled him, it completely doesn't, because it's, it doesn't make him like a cartoonish villain. I mean, his motivation in Spider-Man 2 is already a little weird. Like, the arms just want to build the machine, but to what end, you know? Mm-hmm. What is their eventual goal? There doesn't seem to be one. They just want to build the machine. Where in this one, again, he's obsessed with his machine, but the minute that chip gets added to the back of his neck... He loses his aggression and is just like, hey, maybe maybe I can like help out here. 
So I love the fact that when he rocks up in the final fight, he doesn't come back to like kill the Spider-Man. He comes back to help, and he has like a he sort of he deals with Electro. He has a little fight with uh, Green Goblin. Yeah, it's it's very smart. Oh, it's how they so use fucking that cool. Um, also, uh, I do find it funny how Electro thought Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was black. Yeah, yeah. Which I suppose again, it's like so he didn't think he was Peter Parker, but maybe he knew his name was Peter Parker, but didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. You know, um, because um, everyone knew Peter Parker took pictures of Spider-Man. I yes. Guess, also, I, I love that interaction where to, uh, Tom Holland's like, I don't want to brag, but I was with the Avengers. And he's like, you're with the Avengers? <laughs> nice. What is that? He's like, are you in a band? And then he's trying to explain it. And then to, I love Tobey Maguire's reaction. He's like, how is this helping? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. And see, that's I, I, we are going to be like kids. Around. Oh, do you remember this bit? Do you remember yeah, this bit? But it's, it's just but so like, good. This movie is so good for that. There are so many. It's not. It, maybe it's not the deepest movie in the world. Maybe it's not a fucking a high art piece or anything like that. But it's just, it's just fun. Oh, it's, it's so what good. these types of movies should be, where it's just fun to see these characters interacting and talking to each other. Little throwaway lines and callbacks. And yeah, sometimes they are a bit self-indulgent, like the um, I'm something of a scientist myself oh, line. Oh, I love that, though. I was but so I, Yeah, good. I love it, because it's... They, they, I think this was the perfect amount of fan service without it going too far. Yeah. Because there was nothing done that didn't have a purpose, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Except maybe one of the post-credit scenes, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, now that you mention it, like... When Green Goblin goes, um, oh, I'm something of a scientist myself. It's 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 appropriate for what they're talking about, you know. Yeah, the- it fits the conversation because if he if he'd have just said, "Oh, I'm a scientist as well," you know, people would have gone, "Oh, I wish he'd said the line," you know, like yeah, because that's he's trying to convince Tom Holland Spider Man to help mm. him out, um, and I I think there is some kind of like you you don't know which version of Norman is talking there. But I fucking, oh, I know we're going back to talking to the villains, but I just, I think the way he can switch between the two it's so is spooky. so well done. Because that line where he's like, it's a brilliant gift, that sense of yours. You just, you know it's the Green Goblin talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so fucking well done. Um... But yeah, I, I think that is something kind of like to see. Because I think Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man don't really have an interaction, well, but they do have that really great scene. That final fight is just brutal. You know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man beating the shit out of Green Goblin for good reasons for killing at me. And he's then... using all the PS4 combo moves as yeah, well. Like I've seen people do comparisons where he's doing like the same finishes and all that. It's so good. But um, I had my I proper gasped when he gets the glider and he's about to stab him, and then Toby McGuire turns up. And it's like that lovely moment with this, like, oh, this is great. And then he gets stabbed. I was like, oh, no, no, this can't be. I was, I was I, generally I wouldn't, part of me was kind of hoping, and I think maybe this would have crossed the line into fan service, but I think it would have been a nice parallel if in that moment, um, when he's like, holding him and like Peter's like just let me do it or whatever maybe because they don't talk they just look at each other and then Tom Holland kind of lowers the the glider down but I think it would have been nice 
if maybe Tom uh, Tom Maguire sort of echoed the speech he gives Doc Ock, where he's like, sometimes we have to be steady and give up the things we want the most. But maybe it would have been a bit too far. I just, part of me wanted some kind of verbal exchange between the two, like a passing of the torch, passing of wisdom, almost. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that line would... I'm just, I'm just having to think. I don't think it would have suited that scene, personally. But I, it is a good line. Yeah, maybe not, but I... I I don't know, part of me just wanted some kind of like verbal exchange between the two. Some kind of like um just just something. Just something to kind of where they have like a, a, a moment of bonding. Mm-hmm. And then when Norman gets cured and he comes out of it, an interaction between Toby and uh Oh that that was and, needed at yeah. Yeah, which they which they don't really do. No. But I, I at the same time I guess like how do you that scene with Alpha Molina is just so well done. How do you do something of the same level? And then how do you top the fact... Because like the final words between Norman Osborn and Peter Parker in Spider-Man 1 are so well done that you kind of don't want to step on that mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit, I guess. I suppose. Because I love the bit in Spider-Man 1 where he gets stabbed and he's about to die and he goes, don't tell Harry, just like MJ did. And then that informs the next two movies' relationship with Harry Osborn. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I guess you, I don't know. Um, it's still perfect. Still really good stuff. It's still really good. Stuff. Um, I wouldn't say perfect, but satisfying. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was every, I think it's just a little fanboy me just getting excited every time just thinking about it. Um, like I don't know why, but the just thinking about the film again. I love that little scene where um, Andrew Garfield just goes. I love you guys. And it's just that awkward <laughs> silence and both of them just go, thank you. <laughs> it's, so yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, I think, here's something that I think is good. I, I think um, Andrew's performance, he's still got a lot of energy. Oh, very but much I so. Think, but I think they get rid of like the kind of mania that was with his character a lot, where he's kind of like, he goes to extreme emotional points for no reason, mm-hmm. you know, that he's always getting worked up or whatever. I think they sort of, they reduce the mania, but keep the, the energy. I think that's what makes him feel so much like Peter Parker is because when he's, he's being snarky with his villains, he's being like, Hey Max, I missed you, man. Like he's sort of like joking around with them. Mm-hmm. Peter, um, what, what number do they give him? Peter two, Toby no. is Peter. Um, Tom, Tom Holland's Peter 1, Tom McGuire's Peter 2, Andrew Garfield's Peter 3. I love the bit where it's like, Peter 3! <laughs> <laughs> so many, oh, it's just so many good little moments. I loved it. See, out of the two Spider-Verse movies that we've got, this and Into the Spider-Verse, I do think Into the Spider-Verse is the better movie. But I think they're two different functions. Into the Spider-Verse is a love letter to the character as a whole across all media, comics, TV shows, movies, everything. This is specifically a celebration of the cinematic Peter Parker, mm-hmm. of like that, the Spider-Man that's been in all the live action movies. This is what this movie's a love letter to. Yeah. Specifically these three characters. And there is a lot of like, you see the, um, the tram line from Spider-Man 1. You know, mm-hmm. you hear about the other villains. I think Rhino was supposed to be in this movie. Yeah, um, I remember you telling me that. 
I don't know. I think they couldn't get the actor in or something like that because I think they I think they could only get voice roles for Sandman and Lizard, obviously, which fair enough. But you can't just have a voice role for the Rhino. You need the actor because he's in a mech suit. And I guess if Paul Giamatti, I think that's the actor's name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I guess if he isn't available or doesn't want to do it, you know, you kind of have to sacrifice that. Yeah. Which I, was still I don't really care. Yeah. Because at the same time, like, the way this movie's going where they want to cure each of the villains or help each of the villains, you can't cure Rhino. He just has a big mech suit. Yeah. You're unless you did it where he's trapped inside the mech suit, like in, um, like in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um... But then Which maybe they would have done. Maybe I, it would have been cool to be like, oh, uh, he got trapped inside the mech suit, and you f- you follow that story, like you find out how that fight went. I but guess. you didn't get that, um, which is annoying. But I also, I I kind of wish that we saw what it looked like when those villains left their universes. Yeah, and I would have liked to find out what happens when they all go back because they all do get cured. So that would that would have to lead to branching realities. Maybe maybe that is how, you know, how we keep on saying, like, what the fuck's happening in Morbius? Maybe that's... It's in one of those branch timelines. Yeah, yeah. That feels like it would be too specific for them to be like, how do you explain that to the audience? You'd have to have some guy go out and go, okay, so you know how in No Way Home <laughs> um, Green Goblin was cured? Well, this movie is set in that universe where Green Goblin was cured and he didn't try and kill Spider-Man. That's where this movie is set. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to have someone explain that. You couldn't explain that in exposition. That Yeah, you, you got a point there. Um, any, any other final comments about Andrew and Toby before we move on to the future? I, I never thought I'd see those suits on the big screen again in a yeah. new movie. I, yeah, I was it happy was, to see that. See, see when it Toby... was kind of surreal seeing Tobey Maguire's suit swinging around and hearing his voice come out of the mask. Like it sounds kind of like dramatic or whatever. No, I, but I'm... it was just so surreal. Yeah, I totally get you. But you see, see when he came through the portal, he was just wearing normal clothes. I was like, "Where's his suit?" And when they all asked, "Like, where is your suit?" It's <laughs> like it's underneath. I was, I was like, "Oh, thank God." Oh, it's such a it's such a good line where he's like, "Are you gonna go in a battle dress as a cool youth pastor?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I also like that there is some there's some subtle character stuff that him and MJ are together. It's a little complicated, but they make it work. I like that um, he says, "I think I know how to cure Doctor Osborne." I've been thinking about it for a while, which clearly shows that the death of both of the Osborns has haunted him since Spider Man Three. But I like that he does have a little interaction with Sandman where he's like, we're going to get you home. Because he knows that Sandman's not a bad guy. They, yeah, they reconciled. he literally just wants to get home to his daughter. Which they, they carry on in this movie where Sandman's first interaction with Peter Parker isn't, I'm going to kill you. It's, hey, Peter, it's me. Do you remember yeah. what's happening? I wonder. I can't remember them being in the credited, but I wonder if it was actually the same people doing the voice or maybe or if they got impressionists i did think the lizard was a bit off like if i felt yeah. i felt that he was sounded a... too british yeah um but i i i still i still really liked his uh his character i don't know i just the best part of this movie is all those characters interacting with each other oh it's 
and the um the spider sense scene it's my favorite scene oh. and everything to do with green goblin this movie's amazing i want to go watch it again <laughs> i love this movie can we just skip christmas and watch it again <laughs> i fucking oh i it might not be the best film of the year it might not be the best comic book movie it's not even the best spider-man movie but fuck is it just a good time oh it's, it's so just good. such a fucking good time i love it um Anyway, should we talk about the post-credit scenes before moving on to the future of the franchise? Are you talking about the two or the just the one of them? I think we should talk about the one of them. We can talk about the the second one later, because um, that's not really important to the the overall story. Okay. But um, I actually have here in my notes, what the fuck is up with Venom? <laughs> How do you mean? Well. I mean, the, when... post, the post-credit scene is. Fu- oh, are you just meaning like the actual character and the story and like where's that going? I'm, 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 I mean about like why the fuck they they did this because I I don't know how much you follow press screenings and um, not journalist really, no. reviews and company tactics and all that stuff, but because I I watch a couple people talk about this shit when Venom, I think they did a they did a screening for critics. And that screening apparently didn't have a post-credit scene. It was just the movie for the critics. But when they did a fan screening, they had the post-credit scene. And they were like, now don't spoil anything, but there are some surprises. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh my god, the post-credit scene. A lot of the what the fans were talking about was their post-credit scene, how it was going to change the world, or the universe, the in the... Change the franchise, you know what I mean? Not <laughs> It'll change the, the world. <laughs> It'll change <laughs> the world. <laughs> Um, but that did seem to be a big marketing push, is where will this go? What doors does this open? In a podcast I listen to, there's like an opening advert, and they're sponsored by Venom 2 for like the next few months or whatever. And in that little ad read they have to do, they say, and the post credit scenes hint at a larger world, so clearly they want people to see that movie based on the post credit scene. And know that that post-credit scene is going to change things up. That post-credit scene leads directly into this one, where it turns out Venom has just been sat... Tom Hardy Venom was in the MCU for like 12 hours, sat at a bar getting drunk, getting told everything that had gone on in the last fucking 25 movies or whatever, and then just fucking disappears again. It does seem a bit odd, but I feel that he only did that to bring Venom in. Like, into... But why? Because, like... You can just say that, oh yeah, the symbiote exists in that universe. And maybe the symbiotes do exist in that universe. The Necrosword from, uh, that Hela uses, that God the God Butcher uses, who's going to be in Thor 4 in the comics, I mean. I don't know if he's going to use it in the movie. But the Necrosword is connected to the symbiotes. Oh. Noel, the god of the symbiotes, is the one who beheaded uh, Nowhere with the Necrosword. Oh. The symbiote has like a lot of... like cosmic intergalactic connections um which all kind of got added like over the last 10 15 years or whatever they sort of expanded on symbiote law beyond you know all the 90s weird stuff they could have done anything they could have done all that stuff but they specifically wanted tom hardy's venom to come into the mcu for like fucking for like what two months people were freaking yeah. out venom's in the mcu he's finally in the mcu and he's fucking gone again he was gone by the next movie the fact that he's gone, the only thing that I can think of that justifies having that specific symbiote be in the MCU 
because when Venom leaves, they leave a little bit of the symbiote behind, which I don't see how that makes sense. Um, I, mean, I guess maybe if he laid that egg, that egg is then born in that universe. Mm-hmm. So it isn't meant to go back because it isn't from that universe. It was born in that universe, I guess. So I guess that gets around the magic loopholes. I don't know. But the only thing about that that could make sense to me is that that is actually part of Venom, like that symbiote. And that symbiote is going to make its way to New York. It's going to find the MCU version of Eddie Brock, who's going to be played by Tom Hardy. It's going to attach to Eddie Brock, give Eddie Brock all the memories of the Eddie Brock from the Sony universe, and essentially make it the same character. I don't get it. Because then that way you don't have to do a multiverse crossover again. You can just have Eddie Brock be in the MCU. But it just seems weird to me to do it that way. Instead of just having Tom Hardy through some weird symbiote magic get stuck in the MCU and stay there. Well, maybe there's going to be... I don't know. I'm, I'm That is one that I'm generally... I have no I'm really theory. confused as to why they did this because it seemed like that post-credits team was being like, yes, look, Venom is in the MCU. We're going to merge the universes. But they didn't. They He's gone back to his universe where Morbius and the new Craven movie is going to happen and all that shit. Maybe Andrew Garfield exists in that universe as well. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But in the MCU, it seemed like all they did was like, oh, we've just got the symbiote now, which I guess is what the next movie is going to be. The Maybe, symbiote, yeah, I don't know. It has to be. Um, but or... it just, it it was weird to be like, wow, this is going to change everything. Oh, he's gone. He's, he's, he's off again. Yeah, it did. Who would have thought that a post-credit scene like story can be summed up in another post-credit scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was the next post-credit scene of the next Marvel movie wrapped that plot yeah, all up. It was, yeah. well, that's that's done with. <laughs> that's gone. Yeah. Problem solved. Oh, it's any- like if um, it's like if the the post credit scene of Iron Man three had like Thanos being like, actually, I'm not going to get the stones. I'm going to leave Earth alone. Yeah, would, you know, like that would be quite just, funny. Um, it, it's a bit. Hard. I don't know. What I don't a- know. It just it, it annoyed you, you. It annoyed you, didn't it? It peeves It you. did annoy me. I just, I, I, I thought it was, it was strange to sort of tease that, hey, maybe Venom's going to be in No Way Home, and then be like, he technically is, but he's gone again, so who cares? Uh, well, what about the future of Spider-Man? What about that? I personally, right? I, I think that now that they've reset the status quo, mm-hmm. um, he's, he's broke. He's living in New York. He doesn't have any connections to any of the other Avengers. I think the Avengers must clearly know who Spider-Man is. Yeah. But they don't know he's Peter Parker. So what I reckon during the Endgame battle, everyone knows that Spider-Man was there. Everyone knows that he helped. But no one remembers that he's Peter Parker. Um, they just know that Spider-Man was there. Uh I reckon they know that, hey, maybe Tony Stark was helping train Spider-Man, but they never shared identity. Like, he never shared his identity yeah. with him. I think a lot of that stuff, a lot of the stuff that Spider-Man did, people still know about. They just don't know that he's Peter Parker. That, that makes sense, because he just wiped 
Peter Parker's existence, not Spider-Man. Because you see J. Jonah Jameson still commenting on Spider-Man and everything. Happy know. says he met Aunt May through, through Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Which is clearly all the charity stuff she was doing through Feast. Mm. Um, and I, I do think that this has had impact on his education. I reckon the fact that he doesn't... Um, he might have some kind of paper trail, like a birth certificate or whatever, but he clearly doesn't have any school records, maybe, because you see in one of the boxes, it's like a G... I think it's GED, which I was like, well, that's clearly something. Maybe it's like an American thing. I looked it up. And that's basically... That's like the test you take to get the equivalent of a high school diploma. Oh. Um so clearly he doesn't have his high school diploma because there's no record of Peter Parker going to high school. But he, he's got um, the skills to pass and get it. So yeah, so fine. clearly he's going to try and get his high school diploma and then go to college, I imagine. And maybe the next Spider-Man movie is going to open up with him being like, ah, oh, I'm I'm finally got my, all my paperwork sorted so I can go to college. Maybe it's going to be a quick throwaway line where he's had to reapply for a birth certificate mm. or something like that. Where I, he's had to re apply for social security numbers or whatever he's had to do right um that's that's that'd be a very sad montage you know just you could game. just do you remember um the start of the spider-man game the spider-man ps4 game where you see his apartment and the yeah, camera's yeah. kind of panning around the apartment and you see bits and pieces you could just do that where you see like he's he's as it the camera moves around you see that he's had to fill out bits of paperwork or whatever to prove he exists as a human yeah, being yeah yeah um, but I think the reason they've done this is to completely reset the status quo so now they can they can focus on smaller Spider-Man stories. And I would fucking love it if the next Spider-Man movie they did was a Scorpion movie. Well, they've already addressed Don't, that. don't. What? Oh, I thought you were going to say catchphrase. No, 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 no. I wasn't using my catchphrase. But they have addressed that Scorpion is in the... Cinematic universe, have they not? Exactly. Matt Gargan is in Homecoming, and that's why mm-hmm. I want him to come back because I think it'd be a shame if that um, end credit scene doesn't set anything up because it seemed to be set up as an SS6 where he's like, hey, I've got some friends on the outside. I want to know who he is. Um, oh, yeah. Who is that? You know? Um, they don't have to do a Sinister Six. I think what they should do personally is I think they should have a movie where. It's him versus Scorpion. At the end of that movie, or during that movie, he gets the black symbiote, and he gets the black suit. And then, I think the second movie, him in the black suit, should, um, I think there should be like, you see him do it, maybe he's like catching your mundane, you can throw in a bunch of random villains in that movie, you could throw in like Big Wheel, Wizard. That's DC. No, there's a character that's like black and white. He's got spots. Oh, is he called Polka Dot? Or is he just called... Spotman. Isn't he called like Spots or something? Where each spot is a different portal? Yeah. His name is just Spot. Oh my God. Spot. That's disappointing. But you could could throw in Spot. That would be fun. But you have him like rounding up villains, but maybe he's getting more aggressive. And then Mm. they introduce Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. And maybe he's a different version of Eddie Brock. Maybe, maybe he's, he's like nerdier. Maybe he's nicer. Or maybe he's and more And then the symbiote. Yeah, maybe he's like a he's like a better person. And then the symbiote 
leaves Tom Holland because Tom Holland takes it off. And then Venom's like, well, I need it. What do I do now? Oh, there's an Eddie Brock in this universe. I'm going to attach to him. And then maybe it can fuck with his brain. And he turns into the Eddie Brock from the Venom movies. And then you have Venom versus Spider-Man. Voila. And then, to cap off that trilogy, you do Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. And you have Venom, Scorpion, Vulture. Maybe Mysterio comes back. Maybe during this college trilogy, you get Peter Rhino. Parker. You get Rhino, but I think it could be cool as like a background villain who becomes the main villain at the end um, of the trilogy. I mean, is maybe Norman Osborn sets mm. up Oscorp because we hear there's no Oscorp in this universe. Maybe something they did was like, oh, at the end of. Um, the the Spider-Man Four, maybe he hears Norman Osborn sets up, or Norman Osborn buys Roxxon Corporation because that company exists in this universe, and sets up and renames it Oscorp or whatever, blah 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 blah. Um, do something like that, oh. and then Peter Parker is suspicious because he's like, "Well, fuck! I met a Norman Osborn from another universe. I need to keep an eye out on this guy." You know, and everyone else thinks he's like a really nice guy, but Peter's like, no, I know there's something going on with this because I've met one before. You know, I think there's some fun stuff you could do with this. However, do you think now that Spider-Man is on his own, no connections, do you think we're going to lose a bunch of the MCU elements? What, in like the Spider-Man story, like the future Spider-Man stories? Yeah. Um, How do you mean elements? Like, the, the big catastrophic event, like... Or... No, like, do you think um, we'll still have references to previous events? Do you think we'll still have Ooh. MCU characters cropping up? Because I'd fucking oh, love I've... it if they bring oh. in Daredevil. Oh, I think they'll still come up, yeah. But their their interaction will be completely different. Um, I, I, I think it'd be quite funny to see them having, like, a lot of respect towards Spider-Man, you know? Um and yeah, they kind of stopped treating him like a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they look to him as a leader, maybe. Um, what I would really like is if they do Parker Industries. Is it Parker Industries? Uh, Yeah, I think it's Parker Industries they call it, yeah. i like them to do that eventually, you know. Obviously, they can't do that right now. But I think that would be a cool thing. Um, if he kind of works up and starts his own business, like in the comics. But... um. I don't know about the other Marvel characters. Um, that with Daredevil, I would love to see more Daredevil. Because obviously... Oh, no! Because Daredevil will no longer know who Peter Parker is. So maybe you won't get Daredevil with Spider-Man. He, he won't know who Peter Parker is, but, I mean... He'll know Spider-Man. That he, he, he might know who Spider-Man is, I don't know. But um, I, I, I don't think that really matters. I think because they st- they're still two vigilantes who operate in New York, it makes a lot of sense for them to come across if they both take down similar villains. Kingpin is a villain to both Spider-Man and Daredevil. Yeah, you know? so they could join. Um, but I, d- I don't know if they'd bring back Vincent D'Onofrio the same way they've brought back Charlie Cox. Maybe they'd recast. Or maybe they'd bring back the um, uh, John Reese davies who played him in the Hulk telly movie. The Hulk telly movie? Yeah, there was a Hulk... You know the Incredible Hulk series? Oh, the original? Yeah, there was a oh, TV yeah, yeah, movie yeah. sequel that had oh. Daredevil in it. And John Rhys-Davies, who plays Gimli, 
played Kingpin. Oh. Get him back. <laughs> that would actually be on an app. That'd be that'd be a funny I'd like that. Bring him back. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know, I I'm just curious because now that he is he is a lot more isolated. He's he's much more like the comic book version. He's got the perfect suit. He's living in New York. No more connections, no more fancy suit, no more gadgets, no more gimmicks. I wonder if the next Marvel movie is just going to be him or if they're going to be like, okay, so this movie he's going to team up with Daredevil. Okay, this movie he teams up with Captain America like they've kind of done before. Because I... I think one of the strengths of this version is that he teams up with characters because that's what I like about Spider-Man in the comics. I like seeing him bounce off of other yeah. people. Yeah, or what they might do, which is quite lazy, is if in the next film they just go, after the events of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, everyone, he, he fixes Peter's life and everyone remembers him. I, I really don't want them to do that and I really don't think they will. I think the reason they did this is because so many people complained about the fact that he's just like, oh, Iron Boy Jr., which there's even a reference to in the movie. Oh, yeah. I don't think they... Yeah, it's like the Time magazine. Yeah. Um, I really don't think they'd go back on it because I, I think they did this for a very specific reason. I think, obviously, certain people will find out. I think MJ, Ned, I think they're all going to remember. Because when that memory spell happened and they all forgot... Perfect. Brilliant. It's exactly what Peter Parker would do. Everything in this movie felt like a decision Peter Parker would make. Mm. 100% perfect. But I also think that like they're not they're not going to stick with that. They're definitely next movie they're going to remember. Mm-hmm. They're going to make out and um, then she goes, "Oh my god, I love you too." Yeah, yeah maybe they'll do that bit like um in Spider-Man 1 where she kisses uh Peter Parker and she's like, "Oh my god, I think he's Spider-Man." And then the next movie, she doesn't talk about it. So yeah, where would you, where would you like to see this um, this franchise go? And where would you like to see Sony's other franchise go? Their their Venomverse, their Spunk, if you will. Spunk. I don't really care about the Spunk. Um, spunk. Spunk. The Spunk. 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 Anyway, um, I, I want to see Morbius just to see what the fuck's going on there. But I'm more interested in the Marvel stuff and see where they're going to go with it. Because they, they have that, as we've discussed, they have left him in a very, you know, interesting place. He's just got his normal suit. He's got his own apartment. Um, something we haven't seen in this universe. Uh, yeah, I'm more excited for that than the Sony or the Spunk um yeah i'm um i'm just trying to think of some ideas that they could do you know maybe maybe they could get madam webb oh no that's that's they've gone to something so ordinary that he's literally got his own suit and i suggest yeah that's when madam webb shows up <laughs> let's, let's do another interdimensional story now i i i know i'm curious i in terms of the 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 spunk uh i um I don't know. If they bring in an actual Spider-Man, if they get Andrew Garfield in, and Andrew Garfield, uh, you know, becomes the the Spider-Man in the Tom Hardy universe and fights that version of the Sinister Six, whatever they're they're trying to build towards, then yeah, great. That sounds fun. But I don't really care about that. No. I want to see see the MCU Spider-Man continue because 
I, I, I like that Andrew Garfield got another shot. I like that a lot of people have, have been turned around in his performance. I think his movies are still bad. I think that maybe we'll do an episode and we can talk about them more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not really interested to see that direction because no. I don't really trust Sony to make Spider-Man movies on their but own. Marvel have clearly made the better trilogy. They've They've made the perfect one. You yeah, know? and I think we've seen a Peter Parker actually grow, whereas I don't think I don't think Tobey Maguire's Spider Man really grows. I think he he gets to a certain point and solidifies at that point, and a lot of Spider Man Two and Spider Man Three is him regressing mm. and then growing. And I think that happens a bit in Far From Home, but then he continues to grow through No Way Home. Yeah, and I think the point he is at at the end of Spider Man his third Spider-Man movie and where he started with his first Spider-Man movie, it's completely different people, mm-hmm. you know? It's, there's a um, considerable change and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I want to, I want to see that keep going. I want to see him mature through college and, you know, I, 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 I'm way more invested in, in that story than I am the, yeah, yeah. The spunk. Yeah. No, I don't think, don't, I don't think they even care. No, no, they absolutely do not. Um, um anyway. so I guess the only other thing to talk about, the the last thing to to mention, the the final post credit scene, uh the trailer for Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, it looks really I'm interested. Um Do you really think cool. it it does. It looks like a horror movie. It looks like it's got a lot of like Sam Raimi's character to it. But do you think this movie is going to have a bunch of previous marvel actors in it like a bunch of cameos oh i think so yeah i mean i swear i saw a report saying they're there's they're currently going through a lot of reshoots to have more cameos in it you know because it's a great opportunity to um see various marvel characters that we've seen in the past in different projects and because we've seen it done in you know spider-man no way home so it's possible we could get i uh, the old fantastic four guy Sue Storm, you know? Really I only care about them bringing in cameos from other universes if it makes sense for the characters' journeys. I think this worked because having the two Peters come back and interact with our main Peter helped with our main Peter's character's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, his arc is progressed and furthered along by those two characters turning up. Whereas I can't see how having Hugh Jackman turn up for a few minutes, other than being a fun cameo, is going to do much for the the story. I mean, I've not seen it. Maybe it does a lot for the story. I couldn't say. But I do think having characters like Magneto and Magneto interacting with Scarlet Witch could be interesting for her story. Mm. Um, but I, I also kind of... They could bring in some of the old Fantastic Four people. But I still, personally... I would much rather wait until the Fantastic Four movie and have one of the previous Reed Richards, uh, uh, Owen Griffin. I think he, I, I'd want his version because I think apparently Miles Teller's a bit of an asshole. Yeah, I don't like him. He's a bit of a yeah. Um, his his Reed Richards would suit it better, but if he's a dick, don't bring him back. because nah. I think he's like against getting vaccinated and all that stuff as well. Owen Griffin's character though. The, I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's Welsh. Uh, his Reed Richards from the original Fantastic Four movies. I think bring him back as the maker, 
the evil Reed Richards from another universe in yeah, the comics, yeah. have him be the main villain of the new Fantastic Four movie. That would be pretty decent. And I, I, remember, so like, I remember reading him in Secret Invasion, you know? Exactly, exactly. So I'm like, oh, you mean Secret Wars? I remember reading about him in Secret Wars. It was very good. <laughs> Uh, so I'm I I don't want them to like blow their load too quickly. I don't want them to be like, hey, look, it's Mister Fantastic. Okay, moving on. When you could bring him back in a much more interesting fashion in a Fantastic Four movie. Um, but we, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. We'll um, have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. We will. There's it, it's because like they've not really talked much about what this next movie is going to be. I mean, it's a horror movie, but like America Chavez is supposed to be, I think that's how you pronounce her surname, she's going to be in this movie. And I don't know much about the character. Well, yeah, I guess she she's magic-related. But the fact that she's in this with... Right now, she doesn't seem to have any other connections to any of the other characters. So I am worried that they've just brought her in to be like, hey, we're setting up the Young Avengers. Yeah. Um, it, uh, maybe a character fits really well in, but... As it stands right now, I feel like her character is going to be the most disposable in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I do keep forgetting Scarlet Witch is in it as well. Um, oh, I, that's the thing I'm most excited for. Yeah. Because I, 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 th- I think they're going to make her the villain. Oh, you think? I think she's going to be, um, like, at least villainous. I think she's going to have a moment where, like, whoever the big, big bad is... I think they're going to be like, I can get your kids back, and she's going to side with them for a bit, and oh, Doctor yeah. Strange is going to fight her. Because they do this with superhero team-ups. They did it in this superhero team-up. You have to have your two main heroes fight. Yeah. And true. watching Doctor Strange fight the Scarlet Witch is going to be amazing. Oh, that's going to be incredible. Oh, well, you know what I say, Thomas? We'll have to wait and see. Your audio sounded great there, by the way. (laughs) Cheers, man. Um, So, I've had great fun talking about this film. I've had a... Spider-Man. I think this movie is is the most feel-good movie that Marvel have done this year. Um, I think I've enjoyed all of Marvel's movies to to different uh, levels. Um... But this one, this is the one that I could go back and rewatch. That what was that noise you just made? That was me yawning. Oh, it sounded like it sounded terrifying. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like for example, like I like Black Widow. I really enjoyed that movie. But it's not memorable. Her her story's kind of done, and that film. You know it. It, it it had a it had like a very specific purpose and you know same with like Shang Chi Shang Chi was like a brand new introduction to a character but I don't know that character that well so I don't have the same connection to that character as I do Spider Man and the Eternals is like this big historical epic so it's like quite dense and meaty you can't just like turn it on and enjoy it and like yeah, have no, fun with the fair. characters you know whereas this one. You could just like stick this movie on, and even though it's like like almost three hours long, you'll still it have great fun. Past. Yeah, yeah, because every character is used really well, and it feels. I saw someone talk about this before. I know we should wrap up, but this movie is kind of following the trend that I've talked about with like the Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder's Justice League, where it is structured like a comic book miniseries, mm-hmm. which is what these movies and TV shows should do. 
where every like 20 minutes feels like a new chapter, a new issue of a story. Yeah, you have like yeah, issue big. one where it's him dealing with the aftermath of Mysterio. Issue two is him going to Doctor Strange and asking for the spell to be done. And issue three is like discovering the villains. Fighting, yeah. yeah, and going hunting for the villains and trying to capture them. Issue, issue four that, is them yeah. trying to cure the villains from all their craziness. Issue five is them trying to is interacting with the other Peters and coming up with all the cures. And then issue six is the big climactic showdown with all the villains, you know? And I think that's like it's what the comic book movies should follow that structure because it keeps them more energetic. It keeps them more lively. Yeah. You know, that's actually a good way of putting it. I like that. Well said, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you're, you. you're so welcome. Um, so what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, uh, we are going to be talking, our last episode of the year as well, next week we're going to be talking about Hawkeye. Woo! I'm just on episode our, one. The, the end of our, our Christmas, our Christmas uh, period. It's not been very festive, has it, this, this December of episodes? I mean, the last two films are Christmas films, or last two things we're going to talk about are Christmas Christmas yeah, Eve. this has been this has been this Merry has Christmas. a little Christmas bit in it, and oh, then yeah. next week has a Christmas in it. Yeah, we'll have to wish everyone Merry Christmas now because it'll be after Christmas. Oh yeah, what? It's it fuck, oh, fuck. It's like Christmas in like fucking three days, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, we'll catch you after Christmas talking about Hawkeye. Um, I'm looking for a forward... big net. What? <laughs> you said I'll catch you after Christmas. You'll catch me around for Christmas. You said, oh, catch you after Christmas, and I said, in a big net. That was a terrible joke. Just That was a fucking great joke. That was a fucking... <laughs> that was an amazing joke. I'll let the, in let... a big net, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, come um, show your comments and your opinions on this week's episode on Instagram, at Capeverse um, on Instagram. It's the same on Twitter as well. Catch up for our tweets for uh, episodes and our new releases click on the link and you'll get our direct access to our episode and also come check us out on our official website which you can catch on um instagram just click on the link as well on our bio Um, and just just click the link just click the link click the link click the link we're on social media come find us how do i stop